Hello, and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate the New England Patriots. Uh, my name is Kyle, and today I hate car problems. So I'll just what? say, so yeah, we're recording this on a, on a Sunday morning. So this is the day, we're recording it the day of the Super Bowl, but before the Super Bowl. For those that don't know, the Super Bowl, I, Kyle, I'm assuming you don't know. The Super Bowl is the Patriots versus the Philadelphia Eagles. And fuck the Patriots. So I'm just going to say that as a blanket statement. Whether they win or lose today, it doesn't matter. I hate the Patriots. So I wanted to make sure we covered all of our bases. Okay. Well, no, bases, that's baseball. (laughs) No, they uh, implemented a new rule this year (laughs) in football. You have to run to the bases in order to score. Unless you are the Patriots. And then you're gifted 50 points at the beginning of the game. Okay, is this in response to like the XFL saying they're coming back? Oh man, the XFL. I forgot to write that down. <laughs> That's probably something that we could talk about. Uh, maybe we can get to that. It's going to be for a the long real episode. Patriots, There's a lot to get through. But the uh, XFL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's. Oh boy. There yep. there that is a great marketing slogan. I think uh, like if the Patriots win, because you know the Patriots for years have been mired in this controversy about them cheating and there was the deflate gate from a couple years ago right and then before that you know bill belichick has been fined multiple times for cheating there was a, a time several years ago in the playoffs where he stole the new york jets's playbook and so he was fined like 500 Jeez. grand for that and it's just like i legitimately don't understand how anyone can root for the patriots i get it they're good they win a lot but rooting for them is literally saying, like, I don't care if you cheat. Like, that's fine. I'm absolutely okay with cheating. There's not another excuse about it. And it, it, it really boggles my mind that so many people are willing to overlook that bullshit. But I could see someone from the XFL being like, the Patriots win. If you're a real Patriot, watch the XFL. <laughs> we don't kneel during the national anthem. We don't have, you know, players with criminal records. Even though last time we had the XFL, like 15 years ago, there were like strippers as our cheerleaders, and there was no fair catch rule where you could just deck a player when he wasn't looking. But now we're legit. I don't know. It's so stupid. Yep. Trump's hey, you America. Know, finally, you admit football's stupid. No, the XFL <laughs> is stupid. There are a lot of stupid things about football. Yeah. It's funny, like football news is starting to happen like trades and the the rookie drafted stuff okay. and i i pay a lot of attention to football partially because of fantasy partially just i'm a fan and like i don't have an outlet to talk about it because kelly knows more about football now after playing fantasy football last year but she's not like interested in the nfl on a large scale and like i talked to dad about it but he's not as into it as i am and you certainly don't give a shit so like i don't have a place Fact. to talk about I don't have a place to talk about football. <laughs> we should just turn this into a football podcast is basically what I'm saying. Okay. Is there anyone the that has a hates... job that is like into football or anything? Or There is a guy that he does like football. And actually, I learned that he plays fantasy football. He doesn't seem to be as like hardcore into it as I am. But he showed up to work on Friday in a Patriots jersey. So oh, well. I told him we're, we can't be friends, basically. Is this also the guy you're going to complain about later? No. Okay. Different guys. That's a whole other thing. All yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, oh, stay I'm tuned. excited to complain about that. That's, <laughs> that's a little tease for hate of the week. I'm excited to rant about this because it's fucking pissed me off. 
like yeah. irrationally pissed me off. But anyway, also so tell um, me about tell tell me about your car issues, man. We talked yeah, about this a little bit. But. Yeah. So, um, so you you and I basically had the same car at one point. Um, you had a ninety five uh, BMW th- uh, ninety four BMW three twenty three eighteen IS. Yep. And I have a ninety nine three twenty three. And what happened to your car was, correct me if I'm wrong, the front end suspension got all sorts of worn out and messed up, and it would have been super expensive to fix it, um, along with a myriad of other small things that were wrong with yeah. it. Yeah, And yeah. it just wasn't worth it. Um, right. Yeah, because I was, I was over 200,000 miles at that point. So right. So it was, you know, I can sink a couple grand into this car, but what's that going to do? I'm just going to be a new issue next week. Right. Um, my car has just under 150,000 miles on it and I'm having the same problem. Um, my struts and shocks are blown, um, and worn and dried out. Um, I needed new, uh, my, uh, okay. It's my inner, my inner and outer tie rods. The nut that attaches them had seized and because my suspension was blown, it caused a lot of extra stress on the tie rods. So the tie rods were worn out. The outer, it was, okay, I think it was the outer tie rods were worn out and the nut was seized. So they couldn't get the nut off the inner tie rods. So they had to replace both inner and outer on both sides. Um, so we went ahead and did that. I needed new control arm bushings and ball joints on my front end. And I got that done. I desperately needed an oil change, so I got that done. Mm-hmm. I had been pushing that kind of to its limit. Um, it had been a year and a half since an oil change, but only 6,000 miles. So, yeah, I, it's still a long time. I know. Um, <laughs> and I, I knew that going in. They're like, yeah, you probably waited a little too long. I was like, I know, I know. Um, like when you go to the dentist and they're like, you should floss every day. And you're like, yeah, I know. I'm not well, I haven't gonna. been to the dentist in like seven years. So I, maybe I don't know. I don't know what the dentist is. Okay, you, you haven't gone to the dentist either? Okay, because no. I hadn't gone to the dentist in over three years when I recently went. And that's when they discovered I had like ten cavities. Well, there you go. It's because you haven't been in so long. And I, I take very good care of my teeth. Oh, okay. But I also, I eat and drink more sugar than I should. Yeah. So I am a little worried that when I go there, I'm going to have problems. But, like, up until that point, I think I'd only ever had one cavity, and now I'm just like, I'll never go to the dentist ever again, and then I'll never have another cavity. That's the <laughs> way it works, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, all, all these problems with my car, uh, and there's a, right. a myriad of small things, like the passenger window doesn't work, my driver's side airbag, again, is faulty, and I think it's that sensor in the bottom. I think my passenger window stopped working as well. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. This has been a long time ago, but I think that that was the case with my car. Um, like the paneling on the inside of the doors is coming loose. All of the yeah, fabric inside is coming loose. That kind of crap. Right. Um, my radio uh, had gone out, and so I, I replaced that myself. I installed a new uh, radio, but a couple of my speakers are blown, so it's like that crackly sound. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, the driver's side door handle, the, uh, the stuff, the, uh, piece around the door handle that keeps it in place is gone mm-hmm. cause it broke and it came off. So the door handle is just like loose and rattly. It still <laughs> functions the same, but when it's really cold, my driver's side door like freezes shut and you have to yank mm-hmm. really hard. 
and I'm afraid that handle's gonna, You're like, just gonna break it break off. Break it off, so I have to. And go, then you can't get so out of your car. Yeah, I have to go in the passenger <laughs> side. Um. That's actually. I, I thought it was the window, but that's actually what happened with with my BMW. The passenger, the inside door handle broke. Something oh. in the switch broke, and so you could only open that door from the outside, which made it really fun for anyone that rode with me in the car because right. they literally couldn't get out Until you unless let I out. let them. Out. <laughs> that's awesome. Um. So there's all these problems. I got the ball, uh, the ball, uh, the control arm bushings and the ball joints fixed. Um, the inner and outer tie rods. I had just put a new set of tires on it in December because my I had a hole in one of my tires and the tread was low. So I just have a new set of tires put on there. So like the issues that are still wrong with it. I need. They told me I need a whole new power steering system because I have leaks mm-hmm. throughout. Um, but I haven't noticed any fluid from where I've been parking, um, and. Now that they have, I was getting a lot of complaint, like turning the car. It's not hard okay. to turn it. It's just like a lot of weird noises and like some mm-hmm. some whines and stuff. But now that they fixed the other stuff, I'm not noticing that as much. So mm-hmm. I'm probably just going to let that one go. And if I begin to start having problems turning it, I'll bring it in and have them, or I'll just try and refill it. I'll just put more fluid yeah. in um, because it's going to be like two grand to replace the whole power sure. steering system. And that's not worth like the occasional whatever thirty bucks or whatever it is to buy a can of power steering fluid. Um, they said my brake fluid needs to get flushed, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, and I don't think I'm going to do the shocks or struts because I could probably get like another four years out of this car, four or five years before some more significant problems happen. Because they said my brake pads are fine too. Um, and I think that's what I'm going to bank on because I don't drive my car long distances. I drive it to and from work, right. and that's like 13 minutes. And yeah. I don't drive on the highway because it's all back roads. So it's like the shocks and struts, it's only ever going to be a problem when I hit really big bumps or highway driving is when it's going to mm-hmm. really wear on them. So I'm not going to worry about doing those because that's like another two grand on top of the two <laughs> grand for my power steering. So it's like I could put five grand into this car and like – it could all be brand new or whatever, but then I'm just waiting for something else to happen. So sure. at this point, I'm just I paid thirteen hundred bucks to fix what I fixed, and I'm gonna ride that thing into the ground and start saving up for a new car. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. So basically, welcome to the Shay talks football, Kyle talks car mechanics podcast. <laughs> it's our new format for the show. Uh, that's it. For I'm going to be making. So thank you for listening. Like uh, Kyle's going to talk through, and basically he's going to make up shit about cars. Like you just the power struts. Mm-hmm. Your you got your uh, tire fluid. your, your tire sp- uh, spiggers and uh, mm. you know the 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 fluid oil. You got to make sure you're topped off on your fluid oil. Right, yeah. And I'm going to make, like, color commentary football analogies. Like, so here's a guy that knows how to fix a car, John Madden style. (laughs) And that's our new podcast format. So hopefully you guys enjoy. Yep. No. But uh, we actually... This is going to be another doozy of an episode. Last episode was really long because we were both, like, playing lots of games and stuff. This episode is going to be long because we've both been playing lots of games and stuff. And there's actually, like, a lot of news to talk about. And not just, like, this thing happened, but things that I think will cause uh, interesting discussions. Yeah, things worth talking about. I guess we can um, dive right in. 
So how about you start with some uh, Vigia games? Actually, you know what? This is the most important part. Tell me about the Sea of Thieves beta. That's I'm, I'm most interested to hear about that. Yeah. Um, so the Sea of Thieves beta was this past weekend. Um, well, I guess when you're listening to it, it will have been two weekends ago. Um, I played with uh, one of my buddies. He came over uh, one night. Same friend i played the harry potter board game with he came over one night and he had pre-ordered it on amazon so he had a key so he's like hey punch this key in and download it i want to see if it's any good so i was playing solo and i was having a lot of fun i, I got grouped with this one person um and we, we were running around doing the pirate thing and i felt really bad because it was just the two of us and this person clearly knew what the hell they were doing and i was like (laughs) uh playing an accordion (laughs) like and they were like sailing the ship by themselves how did the matchmaking work is it like journey style where you randomly he just appears in your game so it's it's kind of its own thing when you load up the game you have three choices play by yourself play with one other crew member or play with i think it's like a total of four people um mm-hmm. and that determines what size your ship is ah um so like if you're playing by yourself you get the smallest sloop ship but it's faster and nimbler than all the other ships the mid-sized one is kind of like a decent it's two people running this thing so you have someone steering and someone on lookout and um and then like the, the bigger size ship has like multiple sails and okay. um it's like you need more people to run it in general uh, but it's much slower. It's harder to bring down, and there's more cannons, but it's much slower to turn. Um, and and uh, if you get all of the sails aligned with the wind, it can be really fast, but it's hard to keep all those sails aligned with each other all the time because the wind is changing. Um, and everybody's in the same world together, right? Like someone who's playing by themselves could be correct. in the same world as the four people. Yes. Okay. Um, and that's, that's an interesting kind of strategy then. Yeah, so uh, when I was playing by myself with this one random person, um, I didn't have my, well, (laughs) I didn't think I had my microphone hooked up, uh, but it was actually (laughs) pulling from my webcam mic, I found out much later without realizing it, Um, and so this person was probably listening to my fiance, my friend and I talking the entire time, um, (laughs) which is actually kind of funny, but it's, and it's all proximity chat, I think even within your own crew. So, like, someone from the island might not be able to hear you if you're on the ship. Um, Right. But we ran around, the two of us, for a little while. This person, I think think it was a... The name led me to believe it was a she. I'm going to call it... I'm going to refer to this person as a she. Uh, She found treasure, a a chest, and brought it back to the ship. We pulled into port. She turned the chest... Or or we pulled into port, and she was disconnected. So she Mm. was gone. And I was like... Well, where where the hell did she go? Like, I guess mm-hmm. like I don't know what to do now because this person was essentially yeah. demonstrating what they to do. They were your guide, yeah. yeah. And so I was like, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. And then this other person was randomly put into my crew, and no okay. notification popped up. I just saw this other person, and then the name popped up above their head in green, and they were there, and they were part of my mm-hmm. crew. Um, this person, I'm going to say their gamer tag. <laughs> Um, and you'll find out why it is <laughs> mortal capital M capital O R T U L. Um, this person gets their jollies from fucking with people in not a, not a great way. So there's a system in sea of thieves 
that allows you to punish people who aren't playing the game or like aren't being good crewmates and it's you can put them in the brig but mm. you need a majority vote so when you're mm. playing with two people there is no majority vote and you can't kick them and you can't put them in the brig so this mm-hmm. person hopped into my game and grabbed the chest off of my ship that I had earned with this other person and instead of turning it in proceeded to lead me around and around for over an hour on like the island like hiding the chest from me and like running away and when they're carrying it you can't grab it from them yeah and so it was over an hour that i was chasing this person around and like you can't there's no friendly fire there's no way to hurt them like there was nothing i could do about it um so you're saying that playing video games over the internet with strangers is a bad experience Half the time, because uh, the first half. <laughs> I'm going to go on awesome. a limb and say that it's more than half a time, but sure. <laughs> In my specific experience on this one yeah. night on this one game, half the time, because um, yeah. I had a great fun experience with this other person. Like, because all the chat is contextual, like contextual prompts for the um, text chat. Uh, okay. Like depending on the item you're holding, like if it's a spyglass, you have look over there or off the starboard bow and stuff like that. If you're mm-hmm. up in the crow's nest, you have different prompts than if you're steering or or messing with the sails. Um, so like that stuff's really neat too. Yeah. So I was having fun exploring that with that person, and then this asshole came along and like was just trolling me the entire time. So Ugh. my buddy and I both reported him on our accounts. Yeah. Um and I would encourage everyone else to report this person too <laughs> because that ain't cool. Um that sucks. So that was really 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 frustrating because I was having a great time with it and that just right. boom I hit this wall with this person and it completely killed my enjoyment. Um, and it's not the game's fault. I mean, no. I guess you could argue there should the, be the, a better way of right. getting rid of those types of people or But it's a like, beta. Yeah, not allow him to steal your chest and do... Like, there should be some sort of way, but it's not inherently the game's fault that people are scumbags. Right. Or, like, even, hey, this person wants to join your crew, yes or no. And you can, like, then, like, let me turn the chest in before this person joins my crew. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Some way to gate that, even. So, I don't know. Um then uh, I pre-ordered the game, and my fiance pre-ordered the game, so we got three codes, and then we downloaded it on our computers, and then um, we were playing together. Um, it was a lot of fun, like, because he was playing on my fiance's laptop, and I was playing on my computer, like, right next to each other, and we had mm-hmm. a lot, it, that was a blast. Like, communicating in real time, like, one of us up in the crow's nest where the other person was searching for the treasure, like, watching out for enemy ships and stuff, uh, right. calling things out, Um there were a lot of really, really fun kind of emergent moments um, that came out of that uh, came out of that experience. Um, like, as soon as you see another enemy ship, you're, like, trying to determine, okay, are they sailing this way? They're kind of sailing this way, but not quite. Yeah. Are we just going to, like, two ships <laughs> passing in the night kind of deal? And then, like... <laughs> They make a hard turn straight at you, and you're like, "Oh fuck! Oh fuck! Oh fuck!" Like, get back with the treasure! Get back with the treasure! And like, like I'm gonna like raise the anchor, and but I'm not gonna put the sails down yet, so we're only moving at a slow clip. But as soon as I lower those sails, like angle it properly before, as soon as I lower them, we're out of here. Like, it's <laughs> oh, it was so cool. Um, and the actual treasure hunting is fun too because you you uh, from the ports you get these missions. 
um, and they give you a treasure map. Now, the low-level stuff, it's literally just a map, and then you go to your ship map that has all the islands, and you're like, okay, the island looks like this island, so let's go there, let's try to find the X marks the spot on this island, and we'll dig mm-hmm. it up, put it on our ship, and we can either find more treasure and then bring it all back, or we can bring it back and kind of do it piece by piece. Um, the higher-level stuff, there's like, oh, there's a riddle, and you have to go to the specific part or do this specific thing that has to do with the riddle, like, um, uh, I, I, I can't think of a great example of it, but um, there was it did lead to a little bit of frustration, though, because there was something about, like, go to the climber's descent underwater or something, something, something. So it led me to believe that, oh, I go up here, and then I go down under these tunnels under the island, and instead of mm-hmm. finding the place, I found another entrance to the tunnels. And so for about 40 minutes, I was searching the tunnels, and I never found anything. I had to actually climb up to the top in order for the event to trigger. So it was like... Oh, uh, so you kind of like skipped a step. Yeah, it was like a weird, specific order. And so like now that I know yeah. that, though, like I know to do things very literally when it comes to sure. the... Um, the uh, oh, gosh. What's the term? Like the riddles the, or whatever? The clues? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Do you think like, is there, do you think there's a good variety in those or like enough where you're not going to get ones that are repeated? I think so. Is there any indication of that? Okay. Well, because that would be my fear. Like there's this big world, but are you just going to end up doing the same thing over and over again? Because you can buy the same quests more than once, but it takes you to different places. So the quest, Hmm. the quest is almost like. Um, like a difficulty level or the type of chest you're going okay. after. Because there are also different types of chests, like some that are worth mm-hmm. more than others, and there are, there's like a chest that cries every now and then. So if it's down in your ship's hold, your hold will start filling with water as it's crying. So it's like an <laughs> added layer of like, okay, we got to bail out while we're sailing. Yeah, uh, that's funny. And then, and then it becomes this weird like, okay, there are multiple chests on this island, so let's load the crying chest last so it's not like filling our hold sure. with water. There's another one that makes you drunk when you carry it. Um, so that's like mm. really hard to move around and like figure out where you're going. Um, yeah, there seem like there are are if they have more of those in the final game, that'll be really cool because it's like a neat difficulty modifier they kind of throw in at the end. Um, right. And there there was one long mission that was it was like three treasures long and it led us like to an island and then to another one and then back to that other island and like different places and stuff. Um, so that, that was, it was a lot of fun. It was like, go to the island named this and search where the hangman's noose, like six paces, mm-hmm. uh, south of the hangman's noose, stuff like that. Um, so that's, it, it's a lot of fun and it, it evokes that like, um, I, I think it, it evokes that, like, the, the mystery and the excitement and the adventure of treasure hunting really well. Um, yeah. And it, it facilitates a lot of really fun moments. Like, the systems that are in place allow some really interesting things to happen. Like, we would pass a ship, and we're, like, firing at the ship, and they're firing the occasional cannonball back. And then some dude climbs up over the side of our ship. <laughs> so he, like, like they shot him out of a cannon towards us and we just thought it was a cannonball that missed and then he climbs up the side of our ship and suddenly we're fighting this dude on our ship it's (laughs) like a ton of really cool stuff like that yeah that Um, sounds awesome it's it's really really neat um 
I think it's definitely something I'm going to pick up when it comes out, um, as long as I have people to play with, which I think I do. Um, sure. Uh, I did try to play that solo mode, like, on your own okay. ship for about ten minutes. Um, I got on my ship, and I accepted a quest, and I went to the island, and as soon as I pulled up to the island, a four-man ship rolled, like, around the corner of the island and just fucking decimated me. Um, mm. So And there was nothing I could do about it. So mm-hmm. that was more frustrating than fun, I think, because of how unfair it was. Because there was literally nothing I could do. Um, yeah. May- I mean, maybe it's designed in a way to, like, if you want to play single, you can, but it sounds like that's probably more for people that have done it a lot. And yeah, you, it says, like, it says as a way of encouraging players. you to play with other people. Yeah, when when you go to select that, it's like, are you sure it's for expert players? Sure, um, there you go. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so and like the the music stuff, there are a couple different instruments, and the gold you're getting from returning these chests, you spend on like cosmetics. Um, in the beta, there were no ship upgrades available, um, but okay. presumably, you know, upgrade your ship. You like right. change the sail design with your own emblem and crest and stuff, and do all this mm-hmm. all these different things. Um, and then there's a bunch of new like cosmetic items. Um, there are gold versions of the tools, which I assume, like the shovel, I would assume digs faster. Maybe I don't know. Um, there's uh, a blunderbuss you can buy because uh, to start with, you have a pistol with five shots, and if, you know, it takes a little while to load in between shots. And then you have a rifle with a scope where there's like a crack in the lens, and where the mm-hmm. cracks meet in the middle is the crosshair. So that's kind nice. of like a cool thing, but like it's distorted, so it's kind of hard to see out of. Um, so it'd be interesting if there was a new rifle too that also has yeah. five shots. Um, and then because then you can get a blunderbuss, and that seems like in the beta that was the item to get because if you board someone else having a blunderbuss when they have their sword and their pistol, like you're gonna mm-hmm. really fuck them up. Um, so it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun, and like you're constantly you have a ship's inventory, like you have planks to repair hole, holes in the hull. You have um, bananas to, like, restore health, and you have <laughs> cannonballs. Like, so you have limited cannonballs as well. Um, and so when you go on islands, there are these barrels, and you're grabbing items from the barrels, and your inventory has a max cap for each item. And so you take the item back to the ship, deposit it into the barrels, so your stock builds up and you have it when you need it. Um, so there's mm-hmm. that little bit of a, a wrinkle in there, too. Um yeah, it's got a lot of really, really neat systems that I think come together in uh, some awesome ways. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it was a successful beta yeah. in terms of like giving people a general vibe for what you're going to do. Yeah. I haven't heard anything, like especially from other folks that have played it, I haven't heard anything that's like, I don't know, I still fear that you're at a certain point you're going to be doing the same things over and over again. So I, I'm curious to see what they're able to do to concoct sure. like new adventures to go because and maybe just exploring and running around and especially playing with friends is enough but like as we've seen with other games that do something similar like destiny it really isn't like there's that hardcore audience that doesn't care but at a certain point like you're just grinding the same quests the same areas over and over again so yeah um we'll people see data mined the beta and found a reference to a kraken so that like yeah, that would I be really that. cool like like you go on like one of the four or five person ships and you have all these cannons and you're like trying to sail around the Kraken and, and fire cannons right. and stuff. That would be really neat. Um, yeah. But yeah. And so I, I think 
a lot of the fun of the game was discovering how the systems work because it does nothing to right. teach you how they work. Um, so part of the fun was discovering that with my friend. Um, and now that I feel like I know how most of the systems work, I feel like I can get better at the game and be mm-hmm. more successful. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, it's very dependent on the variety and like how many ship upgrades and how many cosmetics are available and like, yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, and hopefully I think this would be like a good games as a service type game where they can, they continually add new quests or new islands and yeah, new types of content, um, to the game. I think it would be a good one of those. I kind of like meet stuff out in an early access ish type way. I think this game would benefit from that. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I will say, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, uh, I, I will say we pre-ordered it on Amazon, and Amazon won't let us uh, cancel our pre-orders. So I think I need to contact support and get them to cancel it for us. Because like on our Amazon order screen, there's like under each order, there's a cancel items, edit order, stuff like that. There's no options for the pre-order of this digital content. So I think I need to contact support. Why did you want to cancel it? Because I want to buy it through like the Windows Store, so I can ha- play it on Xbox or PC. And uh, I, I don't. You just got it. You just pre-ordered it so you could play the beta, right? And maybe, actually, maybe on Amazon because it does look like one of those uh, cards. So maybe yeah. it would be maybe it would be fine. Like I, I, I bet I just get a code from it. So maybe it would be fine just to leave it as a pre-order on Amazon. Because then I would just add the code to my Xbox Live account, and then I could play it on either PC or Xbox. Yeah, maybe it'll be fine. I don't know. But yeah, sounds anyways. like something you should figure out first. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I will look into that. So, see if these beta. Uh, I came away from it. Yeah, pretty I'm, positive. I'm, I'm excited to like once it comes out, and you know, you can put more time into it, and whatever. If there's some kind of end game specific content, I'm, I'm excited to hear about that kind of thing yeah because i think it's definitely going to live or die by um the uh the robustness of the content available sure well let me jump in here with a few games of mine because i've actually been uh racing through as much stuff as possible i see that Uh, my my game of the year post i had committed on posting on february 14th just to like give myself a date and so I now am at a point where I basically have a week left to play games and then that weekend to write up my top 10 list and my categories and stuff. So I'm playing as much shit as possible. And really this week, all I have to play, I need to put some more time into Prey and I need to play through Night in the Woods, which I just bought yesterday. And those are the only two things because everything else like I feel good about. So I finished Rhyme this past week. And I know I talked about this a bit in the last episode. But one of the things that like hadn't fully hit me yet because I was about halfway through was the arc of the storytelling. And it's very kind of um, ephemeral storytelling. Like there's not really a narrative. There's no dialogue. It's just this care, like the young boy searching through this Island, trying to chase down this man in a red Cape and you figure out who the man is and your relationship and that kind of thing. And the back half of the game, once those pieces start coming together, was really fascinating Mm. and, like, engrossing. Because 
I didn't even realize how many collectibles were in the game because I wasn't finding them at, at first. But in the back half, I started exploring more and I started finding little collectibles. And they're just like a, a picture or a piece of a stone that like when you find the four pieces, it creates an image, that kind of thing. And those add a lot to the story and help tell a little bit about the backstory. So like the game doesn't necessarily do a great job up front of encouraging you to explore because there's not really like a reward for finding these things when you find them. But if you do, like it just gives you a better context for okay. the world and for the story that you're experiencing. So I, I, I really liked those pieces and really the, like the music of the game is maybe the best music in a video game this year or in last year, I guess it, it sold. It was like a movie score, frankly. Oh wow! Like it did, it did what a movie score should do in that it heightens all of those emotional beats. Yeah. Whether it's you know tension or sadness or excitement or relief, like it really, really carried those emotional moments, and they would not have worked without the music because there's no dialogue. You right. Know? There's right. not really any traditional narrative, and so the music is really kind of what pushes you through exploring the different environments and stuff. There were just so many affecting moments. There's like one because basically it's kind of categorized into i guess you would call it like zones where you once you get to the big tower that is out in all the trailers you're kind of making your way up the tower to get to the top and each level of the tower takes you to a new area of the island it sounds weird but that's how it functions and there's one zone that's like a ruins slash forest zone where you discover these old machines that's like it's like a big metal eyeball on mm. two like giraffe legs and you discover them and there's a moment of like is it evil or is it good and like you kind of make friends with one of them and all, they're all like dead basically and so you are able to revive this one and so you're trying to help it revive all the other ones and when you do it like you're walking back to the tower to go up to the next zone and they're all walking with you and it's just like this really powerful moment of like i just saved all these they're gonna help me and they end up helping you in the next one get oh, to where cool. you need to go it's just a really cool game man and it it bums me out because it runs like hot garbage the frame rate is terrible but it doesn't really because it's not like there's shooting or really accurate platforming so it doesn't it didn't really impact any of the gameplay it's more just from a visual like it just hitches a lot and that's just kind of annoying as well as it's pretty simple game like there's nothing in it that was really challenging from like puzzles or platforming you just kind of moving from point a to b to c and that's a bummer just because the gameplay isn't all that engaging, but there was enough there, and it's not like I was so bored that I wanted to quit. Like, there was enough that made me want to keep going. Um, so, yeah, it was just like I, I was honestly surprised with how much it affected me because it had gotten pretty mediocre reviews and people saying basically what I'm saying of like the story is really amazing, it's a beautiful game, the music's great, but the gameplay sucks. And I felt basically the same way, but for okay. me, those positives so outweighed the negatives that okay. it's a pretty easy game for me to recommend. It's not, I mean, it's not Journey. It's not the Unfinished Swan. Like, it's not that upper echelon style of this game, but um, the ending, like, made the journey more than worth it. So, okay. highly recommend Rhyme. Very artistic, beautiful game. On the other side of the coin, 
I played through episode three of Life is Strange Before the Storm. So I'm now done with that series. And it pisses me off. I know I've complained about this with both of the previous episodes. But at this point, I wish the game had just been shitty the whole way through. Like, then it just would have been a shitty game. But there are so many moments in the games that are great that it just makes it all the more disappointing. Yeah. I think, like, episode two was the highlight for me. Episode one made a pretty bad first impression. And then episode two, because of the Chloe-Rachel relationship, the that Tempest scene that I talked about last episode, that really, like, was more than the sum of its parts. But then episode three is, like, right back down, bottom of the barrel. Oh, There's bummer. a lot of influence by Rachel's parents. And those voice actors are just fucking terrible. It, uh, maybe it was the the vocal direction. It might not be the actor's fault. But it's so melodramatic. And their delivery is so, like, pained and slow. And the writing is just bad. So, like, nothing about it works. And there aren't as, as many interesting scenes as in the second episode. Okay. I would say, like, the resolution. Because you find out a lot of the nature of some of the side characters and like Rachel's backstory, you learn things that she doesn't know. And so kind of the big choice at the end is do you tell her the truth and basically destroy her life or lie to her about it and try to protect her essentially, which is what everyone else has been trying to do. They've, they've been lying to her her whole life to try to protect her feelings. And that has only made things worse. So like, now you're you're mad about it. You're like, she deserved to know the truth this whole time. Why didn't you tell her? And so then it's put on you. All right, fucking are you going to tell her the truth and make her even more depressed? Or will you lie to her and help protect her happiness? And I told her the truth because she's my soulmate. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life lying to her. Although it doesn't really matter because she fucking dies. Right. Which like ruins some of the emotional impact of this. But... I told her the truth, and so at the end, it gives you the you know the statistics of all the choices, and 49% told the truth, and 51 lied, which oh, I wow. just thought was really cool. So like that, to me, says that for all of the actual dialogue and character flaws that the writers did, that kind of choice, that setup, was really well handled yeah. for it to be completely split down the middle. That's pretty so crazy. I thought that that was pretty cool. Um, there's a little stinger at the end that ties it in directly to season one. Which honestly pissed me off. It was like emotionally manipulative. Because it's like... I'm, I'm, I'm sure that the ending is mostly the same either choice. It's basically like Chloe and Rachel those next couple of years like becoming closer, spending time together. And it was just really well done. It's set to the you know music of the game. Which again, I think the music in this game is really phenomenal. It's pretty average like emo, punk, runk, or pop, pop punk can't say that <laughs> kind of music it's fairly generic like okay. gone home style music but it's very effective at selling the tone of the characters yeah and so it's just like a montage of them together with music playing and it was just nice it was just nice thing to see as a wrap-up and then you get the credits and then there's the stinger at the end which i'll spoil the stinger here it doesn't have anything to do with the actual story of before the storm but it's the tie into season one where you see a cell phone on a table and it's ringing, and it shows that Chloe is trying to call you, so it's Rachel's phone, and it's like 17 missed calls from Chloe. And so it's buzzing, and then it sort of fades in, and you hear a photographer taking pictures. Oh. And so you see that it's the serial killer from season one, his basement. Right. And so he's taking pictures of Rachel before he murders her. And it was like... 
I don't know, man. It was it was just like, kind why of fucked put that up. in there? It was a fucked up way to end it. It it really like I don't know. It after this nice moment, and I played yeah, through it season kinda, one. It kind of like really soils the mood. Yes, exactly. I know what's going to happen. Right. I know she's going to die, and that's incredibly depressing and sad. But showing me that at the end, it was just like... Like, that's honestly, the note just, you leave it on? Like, you yeah, could have left it, it on this, like, beautiful connection between these two people. But yeah. no, let's focus on the fact that she gets murdered and right. dies. Which we've, like, as players, have already experienced and have been yes. thinking about in the back of our yes. minds the whole time. It's Yes. It would, would have been more effective to never mention it. Than to exactly. like leave it on that note. That stinks. Because right. like, part of what was awesome in the first season was once you're it's Max is spending more time with Chloe and they're kind of renewing their friendship. You're learning more about Chloe's relationship with Rachel and that they were like more than friends, but you never really understand the depth of that connection they had. Right. And so this does a mostly great job of establishing that. Like it's. This this prequel deserves to exist for telling that story. It doesn't always do it in a great way, but it's not like the Star Wars prequels. You know what I mean? Right. Like, this deserves to exist. It's like the the um, Last of Us Left Behind DLC. That yeah. prequel, like it, it provides it an additional context. Yeah. Yes, and it is very impactful in what it does. It, but it then changes the bridge... way you look at the normal game. Right. This yes, absolutely. The bridge between the two, though. It just kind of ruined the experience. I don't know. Yeah. It just for for already being kind of down on these three episodes as a whole, this thing was just like the nail in the coffin. It was just I'm just kind of like fuck you, like like to, for them to do it. It's just kind of like fuck off. Why would you do that? I don't know. It really really made me angry. So it's tough because like if you played the first season and loved it, this is worth playing to learn more about Chloe and Rachel's relationship. But man, like it's not it's not good, and that really sucks. That's a bummer. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think you would go back is. and play season one? One hundred percent. Like, because okay. Kelly Kelly watched me play through season one, and then she watched part of the first episode of this, and she was kind of like, "I'm sorry, Shay, I'm not interested. This is terrible." Which I can't blame her for that. And so she didn't like watch any of this, but I've like given her updates because. I like talking about video games. And so I, right. I'm like, I walk into the bedroom as she's watching a show and I'm like, totally interrupting what she's doing. Like all oh, this crazy <laughs> thing happened. And so like, I told her about the Tempest stuff, which she thought was cool. Cause as an actor, et cetera. Yeah. And so I basically told her all of the ending things and actual detail of this. And I, and as I was talking about, I was like, shit, dude, I really want to play through the first season again, just to experience it with this additional context for Chloe. Right. Because she is so fucking annoying as a character. But like but I th- get this it. might make you know her I mean? less so. Like more, yeah. she's the same amount of annoying, but you understand why she is that way yeah. more, and like are but, more <laughs> empathetic. Honestly, playing through the first season might make me dislike this even more, though, because of how many fucking crazy twists happened in that first season. Yeah, and there's nothing that comes anywhere close to it in this. Like there are a couple reveals, and it's just like I don't know. It's Nothing was surprising in this to me. Uh, okay. So it, it's tough. Uh, but like I said, if you played and loved the first season and you can, if you have like 10 hours to spare, 
because you are sparing those 10 hours. You're not going to really <laughs> love playing this, but if you're willing, I think it's worthwhile to play through, but I certainly can't recommend it to people unless they loved the first season of life is strange. So okay. we'll see what happens with season two. I'm still like, I don't know where don't nod can take the story in season two, but right. Like does, they, I mean, at this point, does it even follow Max and Chloe? I know. I, I don't know. I have no idea what it will be. Hopefully it still has the time manipulation mechanics because ha- not having it in this one caused a lot of really shitty gameplay things. Uh, so, so yeah. Um, I guess just to hit a couple other ones and then we can jump back to some stuff for you. So I've been uh, still grinding away at Assassin's Creed Origins. I think I'm at like 35 hours now. And again, like it's just a solid game. And it keeps yeah. me wanting to come back to it. Uh, a couple things just to mention that I didn't talk about last time. One of the things that I enjoy f- way less in this is the climbing. Because it's so streamlined. Like, there's just nothing to it. You just hold yeah. up. And yeah. he just kind of climbs on anything. He's fucking Spider-Man. And at least there was some element of interactivity in the old Assassin's Creed games. Well, to be fair, I haven't played any since Black Flag. So maybe this has been a recent trend anyway. But, like, you're not doing anything. You jump up on a wall and you hold up and he climbs. Yeah. You're not, like, jumping from ledge to ledge, having to move, move sideways sometimes to make forward progress. And that's just – it's very uninteresting. Like, climbing up the um, towers to do the synchronization is boring. Like, there's no fun right. in it's that. It's just slow. Yes. It's like it's an obstacle to unlock things, but you're right. not really doing anything active. Uh, the combat though is way, way, way better. Yeah. The bow is nice from like a sneaking perspective, but the actual sword fighting is really, really improved. I still don't think it's amazing, but like being able to dodge and like that, it makes it more engaging. It's better than uh, it's ever been. 100%. 100%. But, but that's kind of like saying the shooting in Fallout 4 was better than it's ever been. Yeah. Like, yes, it is better, but it's still not great. Um, so, yeah, it, it, the camera to me is one of the worst parts and, like, the lock-on. It just I, – I rarely – when I'm fighting multiple enemies, I rarely feel like I'm fighting the guy I want to be fighting. And that's just poor camera work and poor – like, the lock-on, you hit R3 – and then you can change the dude you're locked on by just moving the R3 stick. And just inherently, I'm trying to move the camera to face the guy I want to face because the camera isn't doing that for me. Yeah. But instead, I end up changing the guy I'm locking on. So then I get a bad camera angle of that guy. And it's just it becomes a bit of a jumbled mess when you're fighting three or four guys at a time. Right. But I guess that encourages you to be more stealthy. Maybe that was on purpose. <laughs> sure. Uh, and I then finally... It. I got the I, I they've done a ton of like cross marketing with uh, Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, and did you do the quest, the Final Fantasy quest in this in, no, in Assassin's Creed? No, I don't think Origins? I was a high enough level. Okay, so it was a really weird quest. It's like an asteroid lands, and you have to solve a puzzle that unlocks an area where you get treasure. And as part of that, I got a like a Final Fantasy inspired sword and a shield, and then a chocobo mount, like a four legged chocobo mount. Yeah, And the sword and the shield are fucking awesome. I keep upgrading them because I want to keep using them. Okay. The Chocobo mount is really slow, so he already is terrible. But also, it's a fucking four-legged Chocobo. It's a giant bird that I'm riding around, and no one seems to give a shit. 
<laughs> like it's like no one re- realizes that this is like a mystical creature. No one reacts, and obviously it's free DLC. They just added it in there, but it's really immersion breaking. Which like you might roll your eyes at saying that it's a video game, but it's it's just weird to ride around on this giant bird creature and have no one care that I'm riding around on a giant bird creature. <laughs> Would you say it isn't immersive? <laughs> yeah, it is not immersive. Uh, little MXR reference. But um, kind of on that same track, all of the shit, and I talked about this before, where you find these like shrines in the pyramids that like are the modern day stuff, and it's like technological. I don't even know how to properly explain it because it's completely fucking useless and forgettable. All of that stuff continues to be a huge annoyance. And part of what makes it dumb is, like, you interact with these big totems. And then you listen to some dude ramble for, like, literally seven minutes about bullshit mythology. And then you you just leave. And Bayek goes about his day. He has no reaction to anything that you hear. There's nothing. Like, there was one that's underwater. And so I was floating underwater because it doesn't, your air doesn't go away. You're, like, in this bubble underwater. And like, and he just leaves, and like, oh, guess I'll go kill some more bandits. I was, I was just floating underwater for ten minutes, watching some kind of mechanical virtual reality thing, and listening to a woman speak into my mind. But it's all good. I have no feelings on this, <laughs> and that Weird. it's just really stupid. Like, it's just so dumb. Thankfully, I haven't had to do any more of the modern day stuff. I think I can like. I think you can leave the animus at any time. I think I think that's how they did it. Is and I certainly haven't time. done that because who gives a shit? Right. So I'm yeah. glad at least they're not forcing me to go back into it's that. Like they I'm sure they made will it at optional. some point. Yeah. So then why the fuck is it in there? It's so stupid. Yeah. So stupid. So I have a lot more games still, but uh, let's jump back to you. So tell me about uh, some other stuff you've been playing. All right, um, I got Resident Evil Revelations 1 and 2 on the Switch, so I've been playing through the first one. Um, the uh, The first one originally came out on the 3DS, um, okay. and so in comparison to playing it on the 3DS with that mm. extra joystick attachment, which I got specifically for that game, um, okay. this controls much better than that. Uh, then the stupid... and real quick, what is what is this? What is Resident Evil Revelations? So it's um, it's like bite sized Resident Evil. Like the first Resident Evil Revelations is very much classic Resident Evil, and it's more horror focused. It's like a lot of finding keys to unlock areas, okay. and solving kind of environmental puzzles. Um, and you're like you're locked on this tanker, and there's um this bioweapon stuff it's resident it's that version of resident evil sure the the bioweapon resident evil 5 bioweapon stuff um but wrapped up in kind of like a a more horror focused um Mm -hmm. shell now it kind of jumps back and forth between that and the more action focused segments with chris and his because you play as um uh jill valentine and Barry? I think it's Barry. I think it's Jill and Barry on the tanker and then Chris and some other random hot Russian chick who's like <laughs> like not doing a good job at flirting with Chris. Because <laughs> uh, she's, she's like, you talk about your partner all the time. 
and like stuff like that or like well, what would she do in this situation and it's shut Yikes. the fuck up just yeah. like help me out with these stupid zombie dogs right. um and so like you're running around as chris and you have like a bunch of ammo with him and like shotgun and stuff like that so like that's fun you're just shooting the shit out of stuff and then you go back to the jill thing and it's more puzzle oriented and like learning the area and like looking at the map and and uh, more survival like trying to stock up on items, upgrading stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, and then there's also the Mercenaries mode, which is, like, the time It's, like, attack. the multiplayer? Yeah, there's I, there might be co-op or something, I think, but okay. there's, like, it's like, hey, kill the certain number of enemies, and you get score. You get a score mm-hmm. based on how you do. Um, now, I, there's Amiibo support for this now, <laughs> since it's on Switch, and I tapped all my Animal Crossing Amiibos, and they all gave me... Um, points, which you can use to, like purchase upgrades for mercenaries. So I have okay. I have all of the Animal Crossing amiibos and a couple like the Wind Waker ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I tapped all of them on there, and I had a lot of points. <laughs> so like I bought like everything I could right away. Um, so I haven't played any of that uh, mercenary stuff yet. But Resident Evil Revelations two, I'm, I'm probably I'm trying to think. Um, I might be like a third of the way through the first one now. Um, trying to remember how long that game is, and they like they chunk it up in 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 good uh, in good increments. Like it's like forty five minutes to an hour, and then you do another chapter, and then another chapter, mm. and like it saves automatically at those chapters, mm-hmm. and like gives you a ranking, and you get BP based on the ranking. Um, so that's the first one. The second one, um, was I want to say that was like actually episodic there were like five episodes kind of like a telltale game right and they're each like an hour and a half that. two hours long and um, it's not a sequel to the first one it's a completely different thing right uh, there are a couple there, there's a a character from i think mm. barry barry might be in it it's been a while um mm-hmm. but it, it's telling a totally separate story um mm-hmm. Like there's a different uh, an island that you're on, and there's like a different villain and all this other stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, Re- uh, yeah. Revelations two is like the hard episode. Like they released it in episodes, whereas Re- Revelations one was released as a full package. It's just chunked up into chapters. Okay. Um, because it was on a handheld originally, and so like that's a a good way to play it is in those shorter increments. Um. And now in this, like when it's on Switch, I'm also kind of playing it as a handheld, so um, sure. the increments work well for that too. So um, also, like they kind of they upresed it a bit, um, and maybe even redid some of the models. So obviously, it looks way better than the 3DS version. So it's nice mm. to like go back through these environments and like actually be able to see shit. Um, so yeah, I've been having fun. I've been having fun with that. Um, I also got Arctica Point One, which was by the developers of the Metro games. It's a VR okay. cover-based shooter with some light horror elements. Like that's. Is this is, was this a new release? No. I'm trying to think when it came out. I don't know. It's not new. Um, okay. Uh, but it. I saw it on Giant Bomb did a um, VR audio, and right. Jeff played played it for a little bit, and it seemed kind of goofy in like a weird VR way, like too self-serious, uh-huh. but not able to achieve those high notes. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of uninspired and pretty buggy. 
Um, mm-hmm. Like I have some weird frame rate stuttering in, in a lot of areas, and after about an hour and a half of playing it, the game straight up just broke for me at the beginning of a mission. Um, really? Yeah, it it looks pretty good. That's kind of all I can really say about it, is it looks nice, yeah. and they clearly kept... Like, the enemies move and react to getting hit just like they do in the Metro games. It's like, they clearly kept okay. whatever portion of their engine handles that stuff. Right, right. Um, and well, I think I mean, that, that stuff's, stuff's really well good. well done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that stuff is really good. So, like, they're reacting to being shot and stuff in VR, like a more AAA... I would say shooting these dudes in VR, they react better than any other VR game out there. Right. Um, is it a similar aesthetic? Like, is it post-apocalypse? Like, kind of, is it yeah, like a spooky yeah. thing? Yeah, it's like the world is covered in ice or something. Um, uh, okay. And So they just replace radiation with ice, basically. <laughs> yeah, and like more future. Um, like, ah, it, it happened uh-huh. like further in the future. There's a bunch of future, okay. future tech. Um I mean, like the, that concept sounds cool. Like, hey, the Metro guys making another shooter that's a futuristic, you know, ice. Like, that sounds good. It's just... Yeah. The fact that it's VR makes me not interested. And the fact that it's like a cover-based VR where I'm assuming you're like teleporting from cover to cover kind of thing. Like right. you do in most of those shooters. That is just... Yeah. That's pretty uninspired. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're doing. Um, and that's where it broke for me, actually, was there was yeah. a segment where... There's a turret that pops out of the ground, and you can warp around. You can shoot the shield to like temporarily this temporarily disable it, and then you like supposed you're supposed to go around to these points and power down the generators that are powering it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just destroyed the thing, and then I tried to ride the elevator, and the elevator didn't work. So I went back to a generator to power it down, and then I couldn't teleport anywhere from there. It was just broken, oh, and apparently that's an issue that other people have had. Um, so, you're not allowed to leave until you repair it. Come on, right? Um, that's gameplay mechanic. So it was just super broken, and there's nothing I could do about it. Yeah, which sucks. was frustrating. Um, yeah, and it, like it's it has that uh, it does the metro thing where they pick out random things to be realistic about, mm-hmm. um, like with metro, like having to charge your headlamp and do all that stuff. Yeah, like in this, when you upgrade your weapons, you go down to the upgrade table. You're selecting physically from this menu, and then the thing opens up, and you have to put the gun in, and then you watch it 3D print the thing hmm. onto the gun, and then you grab the gun, and, like, yeah, it's just, like, like weird. I don't know if it's just, hey, we're in VR, so we need to make you do stuff, or if it's right. the weird Metro, we're going to make you do these kind of very specific things. Um, I don't Is know. Is that tedious or is it does it work like, that it process cool? was very tedious because it takes a while it mm. looks cool the first couple times you do it but then right. it's like all right i get it because i mean it takes like 25 seconds to 3d print this thing yeah because the idea of there being a gameplay mechanic around upgrading your weapons that's cool like yeah. so many games you upgrade your weapon in almost every game there is yeah and like thinking about like dead space 3 how you could like add the parts together to make a unique weapon if there was some sort of like actual interactivity in creating it that sounds like a cool idea but doesn't sound like they really did that they just made it right annoying. you're still just <laughs> selecting it from a menu and yeah you're just, not doing it takes anything. time is all it does yeah that's too bad um yeah 
Uh, I was the guns feel okay. There's a revolver that, in order to reload it, you just like twist your wrist to the side and like pop the chamber out and pop yeah. it back in and it reloads. So like that's cool. Like you're shooting, there's like click, click, and then the other one is like put it down by your belt, um, kind of like the okay. time crisis point off screen, just point it down yeah. at your belt and then bring it back up. So it's like I was memorizing these two different because I was double wielding, of course, because it's mm. VR and it's cool mm-hmm. to do that. It's cool. It's a cool guy thing to do. <laughs> and so I was doing it like hammering away at the triggers and like doing these different hand motions with the different hands. And, like I felt like I got really fast and, and was pretty good at that. And then like you, when you holster them, you put it over your shoulder and you can like switch holsters by reaching over. To, like, okay. Yeah. Um, so there, some, there's some cool things there, but it also, they don't have any two handed weapons. They're all like pistol sized. So there aren't like mm. any bigger weapons. Um, mm. cause you can purchase, because you get like credits every time you do a mission, you can purchase new weapons, but they're all like pistol sized. So like, I feel like I'm never gonna have that like huge, powerful like shotgun type weapon. Like they all seem to be like like there's uh, like blaster type things like shoot plasma or something yeah. that's yeah probably don't shoot as fast and are more powerful. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a little weird. Like I kind of miss having like a shotgun or an assault rifle. You know, right. um, there, there aren't really, from what I could tell of the weapon descriptions, those aren't really in there. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know well, how much longer I'm going to play it, but speaking of futuristic spooky shooter games with 3d printing, I've been playing prey. Nice. How's that for a segue? Oh. <laughs> Hot off the press. <laughs> so you've been pushing me on or you've been pushing this game on me for a while and i get it bioshock's my favorite game of all time yep this is like a spiritual successor to bioshock but in space i don't know how i feel about it right now oh. so like there there are positives and negatives yeah there are and i'm gonna talk through them right now okay because this is what the podcast is about <laughs> <laughs> so i really dig the vibe of it it has that similar to bioshock where like you're just kind of now in this place you have no idea what the fuck is happening. You're learning about it as you go, discovering key cards and audio diaries, and you're not really needing anybody. I know you do later on, but you're, I have You're coming yet. into the space after something really shitty happened. Yes, right. And figuring it out as you go. There's obviously that like horror vibe without it being a straight-up horror game, which I like. It does spook me out a lot as I'm yeah. playing it, but... Um, it's very effective at that. I'm like maybe 10 hours in, so I'm really not that far because okay. I also... This this type of game I play very slowly and methodically. Same. Same. So, you know, I, I looked on how long to beat, and it was like, for a completionist, it's like 45 hours. And I'm like, well, that means it's going to take me 60 because <laughs> I'm just like, that's the way I go about these type of games. Um so I'm I'm starting to learn more now because I'm at I'm at the point where I'm like beyond the beginning and I'm given a little more freedom. Like I was able to I've been out in space now yeah. and I can go do that kind of thing. So it's oh, the world is opening up a bit. I'm still kind of overwhelmed by all the systems. Like there are just a lot of things going on in this game with the resource management and the crafting and unlocking different gates and it's just there's just a lot going on in this game 
even from a gameplay perspective, like the different guns and using your special power to like slow time and the neural mod upgrades, there's just a lot of shit. Yeah. And it was taking me a long time to figure out how it all worked together. I'm getting better at that, but it's still just like a little overwhelming and intimidating. Like when I think about, I'm going to go play some prey today. I'm a little bit like, there's just so much that I still need to do that kind of feeling. (laughs) Sure. Um, and I would also say it doesn't do a great job directing you in the beginning. Like, you're given your main objective, basically, and it shows you where it is on the map. But it, like, dumps you into this big atrium area where there are, like, t- there are like four different levels, 20 different rooms. You can't access all of them. But, like, there was one where I found a little side quest that said, hey basically unlock this other door and you can unlock this other door by getting my key card from my dead body and my dead body is in the hospital wing and i was like okay the hospital wing's open i'm gonna go get that i go into the hospital wing and this was the first instance because like for first the main enemy that you're fighting are like little i don't even know how to describe them they're like little octopus creatures and they're really fast and annoying and that's another complaint that i have that i'll say in a minute but those are like the main dudes you're fighting. And then eventually you come across that are more humanoid. Like they're taller than you. They still can move and teleport, but they're more like a person size thing. And that they're you're terrifying. Fighting. Yes, they are terrifying. And so I came, came into the hospital wing area and it was the first time I had seen. No, it was the first time I had fought one of the big ones. There's a moment earlier where you see a big one, but he leaves and he runs away. So I go and I'm like, all right, I can take this fucker down. I ha- I I was able to. I got bought the repair skill, so I repaired a turret. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna plant this fucking turret. I'm gonna let him fight the turret. I'm gonna flank around him and I'm gonna fucking kill this guy. I did I'm the being same so thing. smart. <laughs> it's like fighting a big thing. daddy yeah. from Bioshock. I was like, I got this shit on lock. So I set up the turret. I get his attention, and I shoot him once with my silenced pistol just to like get his attention. And I'm firing him a couple times, and like it basically does no damage. <laughs> and then he throws a firebomb at me and it blows me up and kills me in one hit and destroys the turret. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I did the same thing. Guess I'm not supposed to fight that guy yet because later on I found another big shadow guy and he was just normal. And right. then I compared him to this shadow guy and this shadow guy was like wreathed in flame. Right. He looked like the fucking Balrog from Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so this guy's a much harder version. Yeah. But... I was like, fuck you. I'm killing you. I want this other key card. So I did it again. And I set the turret and let him fight the turret. But then I went and hid. And I had some other kind of grenade. I don't remember what it was. But it was like, it it takes away their ability to use their like special moves. So he couldn't throw fire at me, basically. I'm really dumbing this down because I also don't understand what the fuck is happening in this game. <laughs> so I threw that grenade at him. So instead he like tried to like extend his like arm out slenderman style to, like punch me yeah. and so i just shotgunned him in the face like 80 times and i was able to kill him yeah so i felt like a badass so i'm exploring around the hospital area and i can't find the key card and i discovered that it's also behind another door that has a uh key code on it that i don't know the code to yet i'm like well fuck so i did this for fucking but nothing. can you hack it because some of the some like levels it, are low enough it's like hack. hacking it's like hacking two and i only have okay. hacking one so i can't unlock it yet i will be able to and yeah. it's possible i'll eventually find his key code whatever but the main you thing will. is like it, it gave me this side quest 
that I assume that I can accomplish now because it's not like it level caps the side quests. And I tried to and quickly discovered that I was not capable of beating this guy yet. I was able to beat him, which I thought I was supposed to do. And then I get to a point where I can't even progress anyway. And so that's just like kind of a example of the game doesn't really guide you very well, which in some cases is fine. It lets you explore the way you want to explore, but it doesn't do a good job of letting you know, hey, maybe don't go here right now. <laughs> uh, so that's been a little bit frustrating. And there are just so many zones that I, that are locked that I know there's going to be a lot of backtracking. And like, I really, I need to be right, like have a fucking notebook where I'm like, oh, here's this area with this character. There are so many areas and characters that are dead that you're only ever hearing through audio logs and they reference each other and you read their emails. I have no idea what is happening in this game. I have no idea what is happening from the story. Well, so from the security stations, you can find people yes, like they're, where their bodies that. are and you can track yes. them that way like one at a time and go find their bodies. Yes, but I have not gotten anything out of that. Because I'll find them and they'll like get a key card to this area that I don't remember where that area is. Or they'll have an audio log where they're talking about another character that I don't remember. So it's just like I'm just I'm not getting anything out of the story right now. Okay. So, yeah. Other complaint about the enemies. There there's good stuff. Don't don't worry. There's some good stuff for this game too. <laughs> it's not just me bitching. But the enemies move so fast and like they just scuttle like the little octopus guys, they scuttle everywhere. And that's by design because they like run around a corner and then they pretend to be a can of soup. And then when you walk up to the can of soup, then they attack you and it's spooky and scary and it makes me pee my pants. Right. (laughs) But the aiming isn't good. Like it's not as precise as I want it to be. There's not a really good aim down sights. The R3 is the button to aim down sights, but it's not really a good zoom. And also, when I panic, I my hands tense, and so I accidentally click R3, and then I'm zoomed, and I can't move as fast, and then the shadow guy kills me, and then I get angry. So the <laughs> combat is like can be frustrating, but when things go the way you want to, just like in Bioshock, yeah. where like once if you if you see there's an enemy and you're able to successfully set up some kind of trap for him and take him down, that all feels really good. It makes you feel like a genius for figuring this stuff out. The exploration is also really good. I like looking in every nook and cranny to get the materials to find the dead body to get yeah. the audio log and this like, place oh, that's is really cool full of stuff to yes. find and it's huge once yeah. i found out that you can go out into space i was like oh shit this game's even bigger than i thought um so all that's really good again it's gonna take me a hundred hours to finish this game because of all the intentional backtracking i do like so so you find materials if it's a wrench a banana peel or literal like human remains and you can convert all of those materials into core materials which then you can use to create new things so like you can create ammo or you can create a new wrench or a gun or whatever you find these frameworks that allow you to blueprints basically that allow you to make them so because i'm a completionist if i come across an area where my inventory is full you better fucking believe I'm going to take 20 minutes to backtrack, dump all my t- my materials oh, yeah. off, and then go back to that area, and then backtrack again. There was one moment where I, I went back and forth like six times to make sure I cleared out all of the materials. Yeah. And it's just going to take me forever to beat this game. I, I, I mean, I did upgrade. the same thing, and I think I clocked in at about 30 hours. 
Oh, all right. I mean, I missed hmm. a couple of the side quest things, but yeah. I, I, I think it was like 30 to 32 hours was my thing. Maybe I'm farther along than I thought. I I was just... Well, I don't want to go into story spoilers because the story setup is cool. Like, you, you basically have amnesia and your past self created a robot with your past self's current memories to help modern self get the thing done that you need to do. So yourself is talking to robot self via past self to help modern self. And then you also discover that there's another robot self that has a different objective than past self. So do you trust robot self one or robot self two? And that's why I'm confused about the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just looked at my Steam library. I only took, I only played Prey for 24 hours. And you beat it? Yeah. Wow. I mean, at, at the end, or there were a couple of large areas I didn't fully scour. Like, there's this yeah. big tunnel system thing. I forget what they call it, but it's this big, long tunnel with all these, like, pop-outs to go to different areas and stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't explore that area a whole lot. Um, and then there was one side quest that I got that I didn't finish, um, because like the last time I chose to play the game, I was like, I need to beat the game. And so I like, and at, at the end of the game I had, cause I, I did what you're doing. I had so much stuff. I didn't yeah. need, I didn't feel the need to stop and get everything anymore. And I had all the right. Neuromount stuff I wanted. So at the end, I just like powered through. Streamlined through. And, yeah. Yeah. So Maybe you'll wind up doing the same thing. Like you'll at a certain point you'll right. let your like let that go, like I did. I don't know. Part of the problem is I still feel really underpowered. Like I'm like if it's a regular shadow dude, I'm able to take him on fine. But like I get my ass kicked when I do. Like I have to use two med kits every time I fight anything because the aiming is just so bad. Like it's hard for me to follow these guys with my literal gun. So I just. Like I'm not dying when I'm fighting them. It's I'm, but I'm just taking a lot of damage, and so okay. I'm crafting a lot of med kits basically. Okay. So I don't know. It's it's because t- like on the whole, like I'm enjoying it because it gives me that spooky vibe that I hate but also like. And there are a lot of elements about the world that I'm enjoying that I want to explore more. But like the story is over my head right now. And there are a lot of those little nitpicky, mechanical kind of gameplay design decisions that I'm not a huge fan of. So, Sure. Praise a game I wish there was a good DLC expansion for. Because hmm. um, you want an excuse to go back to it? or Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, it's not like I'm going to stop playing it. I'm certainly going to keep playing it. But at this point, it's... When I think about my game of the year list, this one hasn't earned its way onto a spot yet. Kind of, that that's where I am right now. Okay. So, uh, what else? What else you got? Any more? Are there other uh, video games? Um, yes. So, uh, I picked up Staxel, which is a new early access game. Um uh-huh. It's this week's edition of Kyle Buys Something That Doesn't Work. Um, <laughs> Great. I'm so, looking forward to this being an ongoing segment of you so, wasting money. So I couldn't get it to launch, um, and I tried a bunch of potential fixes that were on the forums, and none of them worked. So I mm-hmm. refunded it, and they gave me my money back, and I bought it with a coupon. So normally it's 20 bucks. I bought it for 15 because of the coupon. They gave me my 15 back. 
Um, and then, like the day, a day later, I was like, man, I just feel like there's got to be some way to get it to work. So I looked up in the Steam forums and I saw another fix on the discussion board that was like, I didn't try it. I was like, ah, freaking kidding me. Um, but okay. then I, I looked and I was like, oh, I would have to pay the full 20 instead of the 15 because mm. I already used the coupon. So no, I'm not going to. And then like a week passed or maybe like five days and they updated the game several times. They're like, here's an update for folks who weren't able to start the game. Like this should fix gotcha. it. I was like, oh, God, I'm pay $20 <laughs> now to do this. So I paid the $20 um, and I bought it. And it well, and it worked. It launched. It worked. It did okay, but it cost me an extra like five dollars uh, than it should have if I had just been patient. But is it good? Um, yes. So <laughs> it's a voxel version. For those of you who don't know, voxel everything is made of tiny cubes. Um, yeah. Think Minecraft, but extremely small cubes. Um, right. And it's kind of a combination of different games. It's like Minecraft. It's like Cube World. It's like Harvest Moon. Which is like Minecraft. No, Cube World is a voxel-based... Cube like, World has more third Cube person. World has more going on. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. not a building game. It's like a Diablo right. loot third-person action yeah, that's RPG. True. That's true. Um, so, like, Minecraft, Cube World, Harvest Moon, uh, Stardew Valley, like, those, those kinds mm-hmm. of games that evokes all those. I don't know that it does any of those better than right. it, their counterparts, but it bundles it all together. Um, yeah, sure. There's not combat in it. That's the only thing I, w- I would say it might be missing because I think, but maybe that does it a service in that it's just like a wholesome, good feel kind of game. Um, I think there's a lot of promise. Uh, I, I wish. So like the the loop is like you have a farm, and you're interacting with all these villagers that are around the town, and they're giving you quests. There's like a mayor who's explaining things to you. And, like, different villagers run different shops, so they have different areas of okay. expertise. So they, requ- they request you to craft certain stuff. It does the Animal Crossing thing of, oh, I dropped my sock on the ground. Can you find my sock? You find the sock, you bring it back to them, they give you a thing. Um, mm. It does that kind of stuff. Um, there are, um, like, there's one villager who really likes fishing, so she asks you to craft a fishing spot. So you okay. she gives you a sign, and you put the sign down, and it gives you, like, an area that you're supposed to build within, and you have to meet the specifications for a fishing spot before it will function as one. Uh, and then mm-hmm. you f- fulfill the quest, and she's happy, and she gives you a fishing rod. Um, so I have, like, a little pond at my farm, so I built it there. Um, so that's, like, a really convenient place for me to just go fish on my farm. Uh, they right. wanted me to build a barn, so I put down the sign for the barn, and it gave me the area I can craft the barn within, and like I'm buying blocks with the crops I'm planting and the insects I'm catching and the shells I'm picking up and selling, um, and like little treasure chests that I find out in the wild that give me extra currency. Um, so it has that very Animal Crossing loop of I'm gathering and catching and selling for money, but then it has the Stardew Valley thing of I'm pumping that money and Harvest Moon I'm pumping that money into more crops to make more money. But then it has the Minecraft thing of you can build and there's all these different cosmetic blocks. And so that's something you can actually funnel your money into instead of just making it a cyclical, I don't have anything to spend money on because I have all the crops I want kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a whole, there's like 12 different workstations like that are very specific things. Um, 
uh, like there's a boiling station for cooking and like a, an assembly station for building combine. There's an assembly station and a combining station. Figure that one out. <laughs> um, yeah. And like they're all everything's animated really well too. Um, like it all looks really good in the little voxel cubes. It's animated well. Um, the writing could use a little bit of work, but uh, again, it's pretty early in the early access phase. I, is there there's like dialogue and stuff? Yeah, because like you go up to oh, an, okay. an NPC, a villager, and you right click and they talk to you, and like they're like, "Hey, could you build me this or do this or blah?" Is blah, it blah. voice acted? No, or is it text? It's just text. Okay, okay. Um, I just I really wish there was some sort of like a quest tracking system. They have achievement tracking, mm. but not a quest tracking. So it's like I don't I'm having trouble remembering who needs the blue phone that they dropped or sure. Uh, is know. that just a symptom of it being early access? I think so. Like is that on there? Yeah, plan? I think okay. it, I think it's it's clearly I not would have to complete. imagine so. Um, yeah, there's a lot of little things about the game. I, I wish it was that I wish were tweaked. Um, like for example. The seeds, when they're in your inventory for crops, they tell you when they should be planted and how long they take to, to grow. But when you harvest it and you have a plant, it doesn't give you that. It just says, this is a cucumber. Um, okay. So th- there's a machine you can put the cucumber into to get more seeds, but I wish there was some way to track, like, or even if it's just in the cucumber's item description, like, this plant is a spring plant and it takes this many days to grow. Like, just like in the seeds. Uh. Because when I harvest the seeds, I don't know if I have enough time left in the season to turn it into seeds and replant or if I should just sell it. Um, It's like little quality of life stuff. Um, But uh, the building is is pretty okay. I have a couple cows right now, and I buy a cow (laughs) feed, and I put it in their trough. I pick up their poop after they eat. I milk them. (laughs) Um, I have two apiaries. Growing bees, single-handedly keeping bees from extinction, um, and they make honey every three days. Um, yeah, like a lot of cool systems, uh, but just a lot of systems going on. Uh, yeah, and not a lot I mean, of quality of life things. It sounds like a combination of all those games, like because totally. it has elements of everything. It sounds like there's a lot going yeah, on, and they straight up just stole some sound effects from Animal Crossing. Like, uh, when you can't, when you try to click on an, uh, a block or an item with the wrong tool, it does the woo 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 thing. Like, mm, the Animal Crossing, mm-hmm. you can't do this sound. It just okay. does that sound. Um, <laughs> and the, the music's pretty good. Uh, I would say it's kind of evocative of Stardew Valley's soundtrack. I think it's pretty All similar. Right. Yeah, pretty cutesy. and Yeah, just kind of more upbeat. Um, right. Yeah, I, I think this thing could go some interesting places. It certainly sounds like it. there's stuff there. Like yeah. if they if they fix some of those small issues, it certainly sounds like there's something yeah. there that could be cool. And there's there's already like a ton of stuff to do in the early access yeah. version. Like there's a lot to do. Like there are like they're also giving you these mailboxes for villagers that could move into your town. So you put the mailbox down and then it says, Hey, you need this many blocks of this type and this type of so you actually build their house and then they come move into that house that you built them. Uh, yeah. which is kinda neat. And there's like a yeah. what is it patisserie? P- patisserie? Patis- I, I don't know what that is. Like a like a cake shop p- patisserie. How the hell would I know I what know it how is? Pronounce it. But they want me to build one of those. Um, a bakery. Yeah, but it's called like the P A T T A. I know it's something specific. I don't remember how you spell it or say it. So do they make cakes for gays? That's the important question. What? There's a big news story a while ago about some cake maker 
who was getting sued because they refused to make a wedding cake for a gay couple. It was a topical joke. It oh. didn't work. Let's move on. <sighs> gay um, cakes. <laughs> gay, gay cake was the episode name. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also oh, there you go. I also bought Final Fantasy XII on PC because it was ten bucks off, and I I was gonna right. buy it for PS4, but I was like, no, you know what? This is a game I would want to play like while listening to a podcast or while watching videos and stuff. Yeah, um, because this new version of it has the mode where you can speed up combat and You're all that. You're fucking right, it does. Um, and like I could listen to my own music and stuff on my PC while playing. I can do all that yep. kind of stuff. So I went ahead and bought it on PC, and then the ten dollars I saved by not buying it full price, I spent on an e guide on Amazon. So I have their <laughs> okay. Kindle app on my computer, and I have the the Zodiac Age guide with the new. I still have the original well, PS2 version the, guide. I thought about just getting one of those, but it doesn't have the new job class system explanation in it. The, right, all the Zodiac Age editions yeah, and tweaks. I, well, yeah. Yeah. So I, I found all that stuff to be pretty straightforward. My only like, and as a completionist, my only frustration was making sure every class was represented. You know sure. what I mean? And it becomes tough because they limit the classes that can heal. Like, I had to align my teams in the right way to make sure I always had a healer. And that was yeah. kind of tedious. Like, if I would have just made two people the same white mage, I would have been fine. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted everyone to have a unique class. Sure. But, oh, that game's fucking good, man. Yeah, that so. ability to go up to 2x or 4x is so awesome. In a game that has so much grinding, right. like Final Fantasy twelve, that is an amazing quality of life improvement. Yeah, and um, I don't know that I've played it since it came out. I don't know really? that I've gone back, at least not like seriously, maybe like played the first opening hour a couple times, but yeah. I don't think I've That's one actually of those gone games back to it. For as much as I didn't really like the story in Final Fantasy XII, something about it hooked me enough. Like, I played it, like, every other year. Because I had, I had, I still have my old Steelbook PS2 version. And on right. my PS3, because I had an original PS3, it was backwards compatible. And so I'd play through it, like, every other year, every three years. Well, I got you so. that Steelbook, bro. When I was working Did at you? GameStop, I nice. someone traded in the Steelbook version, and at that point we were taking in PS2 games without cases. So I was, talked to my manager. Okay. I was like, "Hey, can I give my brother the Steelbook for this?" And then we'll just sell the generic case. He's like, "Yeah, I don't care." Nice. Um, he probably knew. Yeah. We, were, we were about to phase Final out. Final Fantasy Twelve, man. Most underrated Final Fantasy game, in my opinion. I think so too. Um, a lot of people have problems with eight. But I think eight kind of deserves those problems. Right. The yeah. I'm not, yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, like, I, I don't. I think that, with a few exceptions, every Final Fantasy game has something to offer. I think like Final Fantasy thirteen two is pretty bad. Final Fantasy fifteen I think is really bad. But yeah. basically, all the others I think are decent games. Yeah. And Final Fantasy twelve I think is is better than most of the Final Fantasies. Right. Uh, that's pretty much or, all. I've or been maybe playing. just it, it gets a lot of undue hate. So okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that's cool. Um. I. It's more Animal Crossing on my phone. I'm level fifty. Right. Speaking of uh, phone games, yeah. so I downloaded and started South Park Phone Destroyer, which <laughs> okay. is like, it's like a mobile companion game to Fractured Butthole. And uh. actually in Fractured Butthole, Wendy's superhero character, she like hacks phones and she has a special move. And whenever she does it, where she like hacks someone's phone and it explodes and does damage. And when she does that, it goes South Park Phone Destroyer oh, okay. or something like that. <laughs> and it's obviously referencing their mobile game. Right. 
it's fine. Like, it's... Uh, I don't even know what genre of game it is. But, like, it, it's kind of a collectible card game, in a sense. Where, like, you start a level, and it's a side-scroller, and you play cards to have your guys fight the enemy guys. And you have recharge time on your cards. So it's like Kingdom Hearts, uh, that... Uh, the Kingdom Hearts re chain of memory sure. card base. Never played game. it. Okay. If it isn't Kingdom Hearts one or two, I have no fucking clue what it is. Okay. But sure. Um I like it's totally fine. I've only I put maybe forty five minutes into it. It's okay. It was quite annoying because peek behind the curtain here, maybe a TMI inbound. I started it when I was taking a dump one day. All right. And I wasn't able to play it because, like, I had it installed. I started the game. It needed to install more shit after I had already installed it. Yeah, a lot and of then it do made that. me it made me log into Game Center, like the iPhone game thing yeah. that is pointless. It made yeah. me log into that. I didn't remember my password, so I had to reset my password and get myself an email so I could get make make a new Game Center password. And then I logged in, and then it downloaded more shit in the app. <laughs> at that point, I was like, you know what? fuck this i'm gonna uninstall it but uh two weekends ago kelly and i we went with uh, her family we always go up to blue ridge mountains in north georgia every year and like rent a cabin for a couple of days and i was like we just like hang out and relax basically and so i was like there and i was like, you know what maybe i'll boot this game up again so i played a little bit of it there and like it's totally fine but i won't play any more of it there's it's not like gonna hook me sure and, I don't want to have to deal with all the download bullshit, and my phone already has such limited space on it. It's so annoying. Phone games are terrible. I'm sorry. Phone games are just <laughs> terrible. That is not a good way to play video games. Uh, but while we were there, I also brought my Switch. So I got some Nintendo updates. So I played some more... We actually played a lot of Mario Kart because it's multiplayer. Uh, and we played some of the battle mode which I hadn't touched yet in Mario Kart 8. And it was actually pretty fun. I think it's, you know, the fact that it's co-op multiplayer makes it more fun. But um, traditionally, battle modes, ever since, like, the N64 version, battle modes have been pretty terrible in Mario Kart. Like, they just feel like tacked-on things. And this, like, a couple of the modes are actually really fun. So there's one where it's, like, basically keep away with with a shine star. And so, like... Person picks up a star, and then you have to hit them with something. They drop it, and you can go pick it up, and it's team-based. And that was really fun. Like, it was pretty intense, like, chasing each other around and stuff like that. There's also a traditional battle mode with the balloons where you, like, you hit someone, they lose a balloon. It's about points. But the only items are bob-ombs, which was pretty crazy because you're, like, every... every um question mark block gives you a bob and so like you can store up to like 10 at a oh, time geez. so then you're just chucking them at each other to like pop the balloons etc so a lot of the battle mode stuff's pretty crazy i would say there are, i think there are eight maps real the quality really varies pretty greatly there are some updated ones from old games just like they do the regular tracks and uh there's one there's the I think it's the SNES battle mode where it's just a big square with like the four color zones. Right. And that one's definitely the best probably map um, just because of the structure. There's like a Splatoon one Hmm. that's very Splatoon inspired, that kind of things. And there's an F-Zero one, I think. So I don't know. I was like more fun than I thought. Uh, There was some annoyance with 
the camera because it does a vertical split when you're playing two players, which makes okay. it just really hard to see what's happening. So right. there were a lot of instances of like, I get hit from the side where there was no chance I would have had to avoid stuff. Sure. Um, but as like a fun co-op thing, it's pretty, pretty fun. So cool. also loaded up some Zelda, which I discovered I hadn't played in like over a month. Cause I'd kind of moved on to other things, but I wanted to show my brother-in-law some Zelda and I beat the first divine beast, the elephant with the Zora, I think it is. And it was a lot more fun than I thought. Cause like I, I had, you have to go up and climb this mountain to get the electric arrows, which was really annoying. Cause there's whatever like lion centaur creature that kills me in one hit. And it was a pain in the ass. So I just had to sneak around. Right. And then I went down and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll fight this elephant thing. And that's when I stopped playing the game. And so I wanted to load it up and I played through that. And it was like an actual boss battle where like you're riding on the back of the Zora. You have to shoot these ice bombs that are coming at you. And then he kind of launches you up. And then you shoot the electric arrow at these squares to like ignite it. And then once you hit them all, you convert the divine beast back into like being a good guy. And then it basically acts as a dungeon. And I, because I hadn't played in like a month and a half, I forgot a lot of the mechanics and buttons and the different options that I had. So I got into this dungeon, the Divine Beast dungeon, and I like, I have no fucking clue what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) And just now talking about it, I remembered that you can create the ice pillars. And there's a certain, there's a section where there's like this screw that I tried to shoot with an arrow. I tried to jump to it and I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what to do. And I, I know that I'm supposed to interact with it, but I couldn't figure out how. And now I'm remembering that it's over a pool of water. So I bet you I can cast an ice column and climb up it and interact with it that way. So I'm going to go play some Zelda (laughs) this week so I can do that. But uh, once I reached that wall, I was like, all right, I'm going to kind of just go explore. And so I went back out in the world and went, in like the zone up from the Zora. Cause before I had been exploring the zone below the Zora, which is where I was getting my ass kicked. So I went to the zone above it and now it's normal dudes again. So I'm able to like actually fight the goblins and they don't all kill me in one hit. So that's been fun to dive back in and just enjoy that open world exploration and with less frustration. Yeah. I will say that I came across a group of goblins, moblins, sorry. And I killed them, got the chest and then a lightning storm happened. And lightning kills you in one hit. And unless you can find something to hide under, there's literally nothing you can do to avoid it. And so I died and got a game over screen. And then I quit the game because fuck you, Breath of the Wild. Why the fuck are there so many terrible things in that game that actively make you not want to play it? It pisses me off. Do you want to know it could... how you avoid lightning? How? You have to unequip all of your metal stuff. That's stupid. Yeah. That's dumb. It's like, were you wearing armor? <sighs> yes. Yeah. So you have to unequip you have your to armor, unequip you have to your take armor off your weapons. And take off your weapons. That's fucking stupid. I agree. That's like... Ugh. They they create... It's, it's like they think they're being clever. They create <laughs> yeah. these... They create these mechanics in their game that are shitty and then give you some weird way to get around it. But the core of it, like, that's not fun. No, it's that isn't, not. It just, that, it just, period. That isn't fun. It's something you have Nintendo, to do. Nintendo, you're, you're not fucking clever. It is tedious and stupid. 
Like, I'm glad. Thank you for telling me yeah. that. That makes it less terrible. But that's still, like, what what about that is fun? I want to talk to someone at Nintendo and have them explain to me, what about that is fun? What about climbing a giant mountain and then it starts raining and you slide down the mountain? What about that is fun? Because then you just put the controller down, wait for it to stop raining, and then climb. Yeah. It is actively making me not play the game. It is so terrible and annoying. Because if it didn't have that shit, this would legit be one of the greatest games ever made. And plenty of people still say that it is. I think they're fucking crazy because <laughs> of all this terrible shit. Right. I don't like, objectively, I don't know how you can defend these kind of things. I don't. I have not heard an argument for how you can defend those type of things. Right. And it's so annoying because the game is amazing in so many ways. But those little things, they all add up, man. They really do. Yeah. Thankfully, I also played some Super Mario Odyssey, which continues to be a very good video game. Uh, I have done more of the like the post credits moons and like re- going back to worlds and that kind of thing. I'll say maybe my impetus for doing those is less now because I've gotten so many moons. I'm at like 400 moons now. Okay. And you get them in so many different ways. And it was interesting listening to them talk about this on the game of the year deliberations on the giant bomb cast, because I definitely agree with what they were saying about the fact that some moons are so easy to get takes away the impact of getting them. Cause like now I go back to these worlds and peach is just like hanging around just like she's not even like hidden. She's just standing there. And if you talk to her, she gives you a moon. Uh. Alternatively, you could go into a hidden sewer area with a really intense 2d platforming section and get a moon that way. And so like, if you can get a moon from fucking talking to peach or banging your head against the wall 20 times to beat this really hard platforming section, why do you want to do the really hard platforming section? Right. You know what I mean? Like it, it's that dichotomy of the moons makes the hard ones not as impactful. Like I don't feel as good getting them because I know that had I not spent that time, I could have gotten 30 moons by doing a bunch of easy shit by fucking petting a dog. I could have gotten a moon. So it's, I don't know that, that, kind of ruins those really hard levels at the end because I'm feeling less passionate about trying them. But from a purely like, I'm going to, I'm going to check in with this game for an hour every week perspective. I'm glad that it has a lot of post game stuff because the core game is just so fucking amazing that it's kind of like, it's kind of like DLC almost like it's an excuse to go back and keep playing it. So from that perspective, I'm appreciative uh, it is cool to see as well, like how the worlds change and how like the creatures are kind of like all together and you unlock the big stone thing that unlocks all the extra moons. And I don't know that, that part of it, that like giving you a reason to explore the worlds all over again is nice, but part of me would rather just like have new areas versus going back. Cause I sure. like combed through everything my first time through and now I'm combing through everything again. It just inherently won't be as fun the second time around. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. It's still a pretty amazing game. Um, and I, I have far fewer complaints about super Mario Odyssey than something like Zelda. That's for sure. So that's everything I've been playing an hour and a half later. <laughs> Anything else for you? Um, no, no games. Um, but uh, things I've been watching. 
So yeah, you've been watching any more anime? Give me your anime, anime minute. minute. Um, <laughs> I did watch Grand Blue Fantasy, uh, the first series of it, thirteen episodes. Because um, uh, that's that the, the one, one they're making the game about? for. Uh, they released okay. that trailer yes, for yes, the yes. game that I looked kind of interesting, so I watched the anime. Right. Um, I was some of the writing was not great, and a lot of the characters just seemed like plot devices to like a machine to move the plot forward and create mm-hmm. cool battles. Um, okay. But there were some really there was a lot of like really cool design, like character design and like set piece moments and, and action sequences. That stuff was pretty good. So it should probably make for a totally fine game. Um, sure. I think. Yeah, it kind of kind of feels like they were making something that they wanted to cross media with. Um, Interesting. Uh, the fiance and I finished season two of Travelers. The writing got way way worse. Like halfway through the oh no, halfway through the season. I, was, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say way way better, and <laughs> you didn't. No, like halfway <laughs> through the season. Like even the way they were shooting some of the scenes changed. So I don't know if they like changed directors or got someone else working on it or like what yeah. it was but or like they filmed the first half in like a week and then it was a few months later and they filmed the second <laughs> half but it and they got, forgot what, what they it did got really bad like the second that half sucks. it was like a hard shift like a hard turn well at least uh you watching it now i don't have to yeah and also like you the, talking about it has successfully turned me yeah, off the conclusion to season two kind of sucked too um mm. We watched the first episode of the show Frontier with Jason Mimosa. Um, right. I also watched the first episode, not recently, okay. but like a year ago when it came out. I also watched the first episode, and that's the only episode of it I watched. Yep. That's what we're going to do. Did you make it that all the way through? That show was fucking terrible. I think I did okay. just because yep. I wanted to watch the whole one. The Priest? That show's really bad. The Priest is all right. The Priest is okay. Yes. He's like a, he's he's a funny, funny character, yeah. and he does a good job. Uh, the actor does a, a nice job portraying him. Um, everyone else is the mm-hmm. worst. Even mm-hmm. Jason Momoa looks like he's just trying not to smile the whole time. He's got mm-hmm. like a Jimmy Fallon syndrome or something. Um, it's just like a B movie version of every other set piece or like time period piece kind of a show. Yeah, like it's just so derivative of everything. I don't know. It there's there was nothing about it that I was like, yeah, I'll keep watching this. Right. Nothing. It's super unoriginal. Um, and in stark contrast, uh, we watched the first three episodes of Norseman, which is a comedy, and it's like kind of, it's making fun of those uh, period piece shows. Interesting. Um, what is this on? It's on Netflix. I don't know if, well, I don't know what Netflix it originally original? aired on. Okay. It did not, it's not an original. I don't think it's probably like a BBC or something British or maybe okay. some weird Swedish thing. Cause everyone is like Norse. Um, so it, it subverts your expectations in like a lot of really funny yeah, ways. That's fun. so like the opening scene is them rowing on this boat. And there's this guy tied to the middle post. So it's like, okay, he's a slave. And one of the Vikings walks up. And he's like this big burly dude. He's like, okay, guys, uh, a few things to talk about before we get home. Um, <laughs> and like, he's like going, I was like, so when we get home, make sure you do this and this. And then the guy tied to the post is like, excuse me. It, is, it has been over 12 hours since I've been served water. This is ridiculous. <laughs> over 12 hours. 
and like and, and the guy's like well after the notes we'll get you some water and then and then like the guy, he, i'm gonna have to check this out this sounds good and like it's oh it's so funny and like the main chieftain guy like walks over and punches the slave in the nose and, then, and the slave's like oh oh did you see that Will you be my witness? Like turning to the other slave, and the chick's just like yeah. deadpan staring at him. And then and the chieftain walks back and turns to the other guy. And he's like, I just don't really feel like that was me. I'm not really the walk up to someone, punch him in the face kind of guy, you know? Yeah. I just feel like that wasn't really me. And there's this whole thing of these old, like, because the old people would jump off a cliff and sacrifice themselves so their families didn't have okay. to take care of them in times of like yeah. famine. And the slave brings all these old guys up there, and the one guy jumps off and dies, and the other guys look down, and they're like, yeah, I don't feel like we really want to do this. And the guy's like, well, I'm just a slave, so like, I can't make you do it, but, I mean, could you just, like, if you're not going to jump, like, as your honor demands, could you just, like, go somewhere else so they think you're dead, and I don't get in trouble? And like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, we could, we could all do that. That's okay. And like, they walk away. Like, everyone's like really pleasant about everything. Yeah. In like a really weird, funny way. It sounds very Monty Python. It is. It's very, very Monty Python. Like very European humor. Um, yeah. It's it's very much that, but maybe not as overt as Monty Python is, like in your face right. about it. But this right. is absolutely one of those. And like, because like scrolling through Netflix, you see it. It's like, oh, it's another one of these period things. But then you look. Yeah, I honestly don't even remember it. And I'm sure I've seen right, the, cover the cover of it, of it. And, and thought exactly that. I'm sure I thought that it was a, another knockoff Viking show. Right. And, and then I read the description for it one day and I was like, oh, it's a comedy. Oh, weird. Like that was one of the tags. And then it's it's pretty good. So I highly yeah, recommend awesome. it. We're about we're three episodes. We finished episode three. Um I don't know how many episodes there are, but uh, it's it's good. I highly recommend it. Um, so what have you been watching? Uh, I'm still trying to watch as many movies as I can before my um, making my like best movies thing. So right. I actually watched Lion, which was up for awards last Academy Awards because it came out in like January, I believe. But I don't give a shit about the Academy's timeline. If it came out in 2017, it's a 2017 movie. That movie is fucking phenomenal. Like it is, I have a review up on the site now. It's one of the best movies I've seen in quite a long time. And going back, like that would have been my best picture for last year. I didn't see it. Like I never saw La La Land. Like there were a couple big movies I didn't see, but like I saw, um, Manchester by the Sea, which I thought was completely amazing. I saw Hell or High Water, which I thought was completely amazing. Lion, to me, is better than either of those, which is saying a lot. Especially because Dev Patel, who's the lead dude in it, at least for the back half, he was in Slumdog Millionaire. He played the fire guy in Avatar. I haven't ever liked him in anything. Like, it's nothing against him personally. I haven't ever liked him in anything, and I thought he did a great job in this. Nicole Kidman is also in it, and I'm not a fan of hers, and I thought she did a phenomenal job in it. Hmm. Uh, so, like, it really overcame my expectations. I remember when I first saw that it was up for Best Picture, and I was like, Dev Patel and Nicole Kidman, horde pass on this movie. <laughs> and I'm glad that I went for it, because uh, it was really, really good. It's It's kind of like... In the review, I likened it to Full Metal Jacket, which is a weird comparison, but in Full Metal Jacket, it's kind of like two movies. So, like, you have the first half where they're in the training camp, and then you have the second half where they actually go to Vietnam? 
I yes. think it is. And like they're they're actually in the war, and it's like two completely different movies just with the same characters. This is kind of the same. It's the first half is the basic story is an Indian boy gets lost from his family. He ends up like thousands of miles away, and he's trying to find them. That's the story of the first half. And then the second half is the boy is now an adult and he's still trying to find his family, but like he had gotten adopted and it's all based on a true story Hmm. and not in a true story the way gold was that I talked about last episode. (laughs) It's based on a true story where like most of this shit actually really did happen, which makes it even more insane. And so I won't, even though it's a true story, I won't spoil the end of like, does he find them or not? But I will admit unashamedly that I was openly weeping at the end, sobbing like actually sobbing uncontrollably at the end of this movie it was that intense it's fucking great i don't even know how else to say it i will say i the first half i think is more enjoyable is kind of a weird word because it's a little boy who's lost for like the whole time i wouldn't say like it's enjoyable But but um it's really well shot and the music does a great job of heightening that experience of him like he kind of goes from scene to scene of like trying to get help from people and like trying to get food and it's just kind of like vignettes basically of his young adulthood and then the second half is more traditional where like that could be a movie on its own of this you know young man who was adopted trying to find his mom in India that kind of thing uh and they it's weird because much like full metal jacket where it feels like two movies the second piece wouldn't work without the first okay and so from that perspective it's really really successful uh yeah i mean i'm not surprised at all that it was nominated for best picture it was it's going to be very high on my favorite movies list. I'll say that much. Um, another movie that will be on my list for sure is Get Out. So this is the uh, Jordan Peele horror, I use that in quotes, movie recently. That It's actually nominated for Best Picture this year, which I'm, I was kind of surprised before I had seen it. Because it's just a horror movie. What do you think? But um, I'm not a horror movie fan. I will say that this, I would not qualify this as being a horror movie. It's more of a thriller. Sure. Like, there's, like, one jump scare, which I appreciate because modern horror movies rely too heavily on jump scares. There's one, but it kind of subverts your jump scare expectations anyway. It's more like a commentary on that style of movie than it is actually using it to scare you, if that makes sense. To me, it feels like... A bad 80s horror movie just done really well. So, like, it's <laughs> kind of cheesy. The story's kind of dumb. Like, the actual twist is incredibly dumb, but fun. Like, it has that, it's a fun, stupid, scary movie vibe. Okay. But it's really well written, really well acted. Just everything about it's really well done. Um, the, the way the twist is handled, after that it becomes a bit... Clichéd isn't the right word, but it kind of like leans too heavily into the like over the top nature that I was kind of like rolling my eyes a bit at. The more fascinating thing for me is it's like political commentary, or I guess more like societal commentary. And this is all said with the knowledge that I'm a white guy, but the story is about this young black guy who's he's dating a white girl and he goes to meet her family. And before meeting him, they don't know that he's black. And so it's like 
throughout the story it's like they're they're like liberal people they voted for obama they make a couple jokes of like i would have voted for obama for a third term if i could but they're still kind of racist because like mm. inherently that difference in culture and they're trying too hard to like be cool and prove to him that they're not racist right. that they come across as being racist <laughs> and that's just really really fascinating and kind of opens my eyes to it's just that thing like I will never understand that. I will never understand what it's like to be a minority as much as I might try. I will never get it. And that's like a tough thing to acknowledge and makes me think of an old South Park episode that's actually yeah. the message of that with Token. Right. Where like Stan is trying to like say like he – I don't remember what the actual story is. But Stan keeps trying to get tell Token like I get it. Like I get why you're mad about racism. I get why this matters to you. And Token's like – Gets, keeps getting pissed at him and more mad at Stan than he is like at Cartman, who is the one actively being racist. Right. And at the end, Stan's like, I get it. I don't get it. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what I get. I get that. I don't get it. And it was that moment for me too, of like, I don't fucking, I don't get it. And I never will. And that's a really important thing to acknowledge. Yeah. Also because like the main character, he has, his black best friend who kind of comes in and out. He's like the comedic relief type character. And uh, it's really interesting to look at the main actor who does a phenomenal job. He's nominated for best actor. He, for anybody that's seen black mirror, he was in the 15 million merits episode, which is one of my personal favorite episodes of black mirror. He so like he's with his white girlfriend and you think that like, that's him. Like he's, he's comfortable with her. They've been together a while. Like he's cool. He's fine being with her, despite the fact that they have different cultural backgrounds, different skin color, etc. He meets her family and like, he becomes a little more formal. Like he tries to like white himself up a little bit kind of thing. And then he talks to his black friend where he like, I don't know the best way of saying it, but like, he's a little more of that, city culture that you would associate with black guys. Like he's, I don't know the best way of saying it, which is part of the problem. Like he's like cooler, like using black guy vernacular, like that kind of thing where it opens that door of like, Oh, even when he's with his girlfriend, he's still not really being himself or is he? And is he pretending to be more quote unquote black when he's with his black friend? Like who is the real guy? Right. And that's like really, really fascinating as well. And handled very apolitically. Like Jordan Peele clearly has a statement to make about race in this movie, but he does it so deftly that it like, I would find it hard for a white person or black person to be offended by anything in the movie. It's just really, really well done. Okay. And it's interesting. Like, I got the most out of that side in a movie that is like a horror film. (laughs) Like it's socio-political commentary is the most interesting part, which is really cool. Yeah. So really, really highly recommend get out even for people that don't like spooky movies. um, It, it didn't really scare me at any moment. It was more just tension filled. Oh boy. Still more. (laughs) So Kelly and I watched win it all which is a Netflix movie starring Jake Johnson, who plays Nick on New Girl. I love Jake Johnson. Like, I, he's one of those guys where, like, I look at him and I'm like, I all of his characters I could play. Like, it's, it's one of those kind of guys. So I like seeing his stuff. 
I liked him in it, and I actually uh, Jolo Trulio's in it. Who, if you don't know Jolo Trulio, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He's one of those like recurring dudes in comedy movies. You'd recognize him if you saw him. I'm I haven't been a huge fan of his. I just haven't really found him to be funny. Okay, I loved him in this. He plays Jake Johnson's older brother, and he just does a really good job. He's just like a good dude, and I really liked him as as that character. So I really liked all the characters. I really liked. The vibe the movie was going for, but it just isn't really successful. It's it's a pretty cliched story. Like he gets in over his head with gambling debt, and like there's a bad dude that he's like he's using the bad dude's money to fuel his gambling habit, and then he keeps getting deeper and deeper because he's trying to pay back the money. And meanwhile, he meets a girl who he's lying to about his gambling, and like he's trying to go on the path of the straight and narrow, like working for his brother, being a good person. And he keeps getting sucked back into this kind of seedy side. It's like, there's nothing original about that, but Jake Johnson's charming. He kind of carries it through, but because it's just pretty rote movie, it's not all that interesting. And then the end is like really abrupt. There's not a true resolution to what what happens. Like, you know what happens with the situation, but it's like, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain without spoiling it, but I just found it to not be all that interesting, and so it just kind of disappointed me in in that perspective. Okay. Um, we also watched American Made, recent Tom Cruise movie, which is also based on a. Oops, I'm bumping my table. Also based on a true story um, of a American pilot who worked for Pablo Escobar, like flying drugs and guns and shit, and he was also working for the CIA. And this was interesting because I watched Narcos and love Narcos. And it's cool to see this similar story from a different perspective as what was in Narcos. But the movie's actually pretty bad. There's just, there's like, there's no stakes. It rushes through plot. It's more like, it's not a documentary, obviously, because it's a fictionalized version of, of real life. But the movie is just like, this is what happened. And that's kind of all it has to say. Like, it's... There's not okay. even really like a story or a narrative. It's just like events, like things just take place. There are so many montages in the movie, like passage of time. It's just I don't know. It's a it's an actually a bad movie. I would say. Okay. The only reason we finished it is because it was Tom Cruise, and he's so easy to watch. Yeah. Like I thought Tom Cruise did a nice job in this, but everything else about it is incredibly forgettable, okay. and there are a lot of inconsistent uh, cinematography and like some weird stylistic shots they use that they don't carry through so they like really stand out like a sore throat thumb it's just a i don't know just kind of a bad movie it was a, it was a shame Bummer. finally and then we can finally move on to some news <laughs> <laughs> so i always try to have a show that i'm watching that's just like a time waster show and it's usually like one of my favorite sitcoms. Like I'll rewatch Seinfeld or I'll rewatch Scrubs. And it's just like if I come home from work and I want to kill an hour or if Kelly and I are eating dinner or whatever and we want to kill some time. But I've rewatched all my favorite shows in the past year because I've done like rankings for all of them for my website. And so I was like, uh, what am I going to watch? And I've been wanting to rewatch this for a while just because. So I started watching Lost again. Nice. And... I like I don't know why I'm rewatching Lost again because the first season of Lost was amazing and then basically most of seasons 2 through 9 are awful so now I'm in this weird spot of like 
do I just watch season one or am I going back through this thing and watching the whole thing again? And I don't want to watch the whole thing again because it's so bad. There but are, there are good moments throughout though. You're right, but it's so stupid. Most of it is so stupid. And that's Damon <laughs> Lindelof. You know, I can go back to, you know, as I was ranting about the leftovers for a while for I mean, that's his similar show that he created. He has these bright ideas in the beginning, but he clearly has not put any thought into how it's going to wrap up or where it's going to go. And so they just make shit up as they go along and it doesn't work. Lost was like that, the leftovers were like was like that. So you're right. There's a lot of cool shit throughout. But like watching season one makes me hate the later seasons even more. One, because the mystery is so awesome in the beginning. Yeah. And two, the setup of these things is so cool. And knowing how it resolves is so underwhelming. Like with the smoke monster and shit like that, where I'm just like already rolling my eyes. There are also so many characters that I hate on the show <laughs> that are so bad. So many bad characters. And like knowing where the love triangle between Jack, Kate, and Sawyer goes, yeah. how bad that is. Like, I don't know, man. It's tough because the first season is really good. It is really good. But, uh,. I'm not really looking forward to continuing, but I'm sure I will. So expect several months of lost bitching in the next episode. So it is what it is. But um, Um, I just want to do a quick self-correction. I stated it was one one or two episodes ago when I bought all those comics. I got Outcast, the new Kirk, or one of the newer the newer Kirkman series, the the Walking Dead guy. I read the entire book one yesterday. It is not post-apocalypse like I thought it was. It is, um, he has, like, powers to exercise demons out of people's bodies that are possessing people. That's what it is. Weird. Well, so, was it that it, the way it was set up in the beginning made you think it was post-apocalypse? There are a couple panels in the beginning that make it seem like there's an illness or a sickness when Uh, taken out of context. But it's actually like a, a demonic possession thing. So so you hadn't... I'm, I'm trying to remember when we were talking. So you hadn't read this last time. No. I just bought it. Okay. And like the Amazon okay. look inside the first few things. Gotcha. I looked at the first few panels. I was like, oh, okay. That's kind of what this is. So is it... But it's not that Is that all. more interesting now? Yes. Because it was kind of an interesting cool. surprise. Like, it's very... Right. It's not like Monster of the Week like Supernatural is. Like, there's... Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much just following his story and learning how, like, what his powers are, how they work, and, like, trying to separate the fiction of how religion paints these things versus the reality of how they are. Um, okay. And that's, that stuff is really interesting. And there's a pretty decent cast of characters they've already built up. Um, it's written very much like a television show uh, mm. in, in some cool way. Like, the... Um, you spend a little bit of time with this character and then there's this character gets a little bit of separate time to develop her own stuff. And it's, yeah, it's very, it feels very television show esque. Um, cool. Yeah. It's kind of a, a welcome surprise. Cause it's not what I thought it was, but it's actually kind of cooler than I thought it yeah, was. It's better. There's yeah. it's, uh, even more different from the walking dead than I thought it was going to be. So that's a good thing. Sweet. Yeah. Have you been reading anything else? Yeah. I read orchid volume two continues to be totally average. Uh, Dar- uh, Darth Maul, son of Dathomir, trade. That was not very good. 
Um, is that just uh, like a miniseries? Or is it yeah, it, it was thing? its own standalone, like five or six issue thing. And I have the okay. collected version of it. Um, I read Low Volume 4. Mm. I might have to go back and skim those first three because I did not know what was going on with four the whole time I was reading it. Um, did I give those back to you? Yes. I, uh, they're on my shelf okay. now. Um, and I finished, finally finished the 1200 page book three of Stormlight <laughs> Archives. Um, nice. Man, those books are so good. I cannot. Uh, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait until the fourth book comes out. But I'm gonna have to because it'll be like several years until it comes oh, out. Oh no, really? Well, oh right, because the third one just came out. Yeah, yeah, that's too bad. Oh man, I hate that. It's so good too. I have plenty. Well, of hopefully other Brandon stuff. Sanderson doesn't die. Right. Like everyone thinks George R. R. Martin's gonna die before he well, can finish. Well, Brandon the Sanderson's also like thirty. Right, right, right. Young thirties. Um, <laughs> he's not <laughs> as old as Martin is. But I have plenty of other crap to read i have a, still a huge stack of stuff to go through so looking forward to that yeah once i like feel good about my like once i finish up all my 2017 games because there's not a ton on the horizon like a way out's coming out and then what god of war in april excuse me i want to try to dive into some books and finish up my harry potter book finally yeah. and then start on the prince of thorns trilogy and then i got to read that star wars aftermath trilogy so I need to get back into books. I need to get back in. Please. We need to talk about them. I know. I know. So, all right. So, let's move on to news now that we're two hours in. Whew. I told you guys, this is going to be this is gonna be a doozy because there's a lot of news to talk about, too. But hopefully, it's it's cool stuff. So, I guess you found this first story. So, tell me about the Creation Club update. Yeah. New Fallout 4 Creation Club stuff. This is actually this little content update they released. People have been responding to positively for the most part which is hmm. a difference in tone from previous content uh, club or creation club stuff. Um, there's an yeah. arcade workshop pack. Um, there's like new posters that are associated with each of the little game tapes that you can get and play in the game. There are new posters. Hmm. There's some new lights, um, new like gobo projections, which for those of you who don't know what a gobo is, it's um, uh, a, a pattern that you put over a light, a light bulb and it, casts that pattern to create a picture um gobo mm. is what my lighting designer calls it so that's what i call it um so like projections of like some of the different perk things uh, like the perk icons um and so you can like bend them and twist the shapes and they kind of like reflect dynamically off of different surfaces and stuff it's so, like that's yeah. kind of a cool like you know how in arcades they'll have like the stars projecting down on the floor and stuff like that. Right, it's that right. kind of stuff, but like kind of pictures of the perks. Um, there's an arcade machine for every single one of those tape games, and every single mm -hmm. arcade machine has three different color variants. So it's like a Sweet. huge thing, and they're actually functional, so you can go up to them and play the games on the arcade cabinets. And like they make noises and stuff too, like an arcade does. Um, the only thing is that settlers won't actually play them, but if you put one of the new stools in front of it, the settler will go sit at the stool sit there. and it'll like kind of okay. look like they're playing it, I guess. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it also adds happiness to your settlement. So there's like a nice functional thing in there. If you care about how the settlement ratings mm -hmm. are. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, kind of a, and like some new carpets and stuff too, I think. Um, so yeah, that, that's three bucks. So like, that's actually not awful. It's a reasonable, yeah. I mean, like three dollars. If you for all care that about stuff, the settlement building, yeah, 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 and like being able to play all those arcade games, that like that's like a that's a cool thing. Um, uh -huh. 
There's another one called Tunnel Snakes Rule. This one's five dollars, <laughs> um, which I think is a bit much for it. But there's like a, a radio broadcast, and if you track it down, you find a new subway station, and there's like tunnel snake markings over the whole thing, and there's a bunch of dead tunnel snakes. Um, like wearing the jackets so you can get the tunnel snakes jacket okay um, yeah and there's some minor story stuff as to like what the tunnel snakes are doing there that you discover um and there are there's the original 10 millimeter pistol from fallout 3 like the classic mm-hmm. one um so you could find that and then there's like a legendary variant of it with its own skin and it, it has its own set of mods and stuff for it too um specific to the gun um five dollars seems a little steep for that yeah like it's not even really a quest. It's just like a, a new area to find new clothes and weapons. I don't know. That seems yeah. I guess there, there's a little. There's a, a a bit. I don't know how they give you that information, but there's a thing about how the tunnel snakes got there from you know like Washington. Um, oh sure. Okay. Uh, there's an and then there's a third thing called Coffee and Donuts Workshop Pack. This is six dollars. This is made by the modular mm-hmm. backpack guy and the modern furniture guy. Uh, he did both of those, right. um, which are like the two ones that yeah. people like. So he created this yeah. new one, Coffee and Donuts Workshop, because there's a Slocum Joe's coffee shop in Universe. Um, and if you mm-hmm. go there, you find this franchise pack. And, like, it's a magazine on how to make your own, like, Slocum Joe's franchise. And so you learn all these, like, crafting things then. Um, there's That's a fun. ton of new building items. Like, there's new tiles. Like, there's a pink and white tile. There's a few different, like, color variants. Like, new walls, new ceilings. There's countertops and, like, donut displays. You can craft all the different types of donuts. Um, there's, like, donut boxes, booths, tables, like ad signs, like a new Slocum Joe's neon light up sign, like all this new stuff that goes along with it. Um, so it's a really, really big pack um, of craftable things. And like you can have your settlers working there and stuff. Um, so you can make it in, okay. in a settlement. So that's $6. Um, so I would say the arcade workshop pack, the $3, that's pretty reasonable. I think five and six are maybe like a dollar or two too much for that stuff. But yeah, it's like thinking of like the full game as being sixty dollars, six dollars for like a new type of settlement thing. Right. That's so much money. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so take it for what you will. Obviously, there's a bunch of new skins on the uh, Creation Club as well, and those are constantly right. handing them out for random ones out for free and stuff. So yeah. make sure you keep checking back on that. Um, kind of in Sony news. So Kaz Harai, who used to be head of PlayStation and is, or has been for the past like six years, I think has been CEO of Sony. He's just stepped down to become like, he's on a, he's on the board now. He's a chairman on the board. Uh, and their CFO is going to be the interim CEO. So uh, there's not like a ton to talk about here. It's more just kind of like Kaz Harai, the reason he became Sony's CEO is because he did a phenomenal job turning PlayStation around after, like, the issues with the PS3 launch. Yeah. He did an awesome job and helped directing the creation of PS4 when they were in the development phase. So it totally made sense for him to kind of, like, do that for the whole company because Sony as a whole struggles a lot. Like, their TVs don't sell. A lot of their movies have not been doing well. So him kind of leading the ship has been a good thing. There's not, like, actionable stuff about this, but 
it's a bummer that he's leaving because he has done such a good job. Yeah. So I hope it's not like health we'll concerns happens. or anything. Yeah, like I know because he's not an old guy, and like he's only, he's only the CEO for like six years. It's not like. And he's not leaving the company or anything. Right. It's just, it seems weird, and they made it sound like it was a very unexpected decision that he made. So, hopefully, there's nothing bad going on. Right. Um. So, have you seen stuff about this Xbox Game Pass? No, I have not. Okay. So th- it seems like this is actually a pretty big deal. So Microsoft announced that the Xbox Game Pass, which is their like Netflix kind of service for Xbox games, will include their big exclusives as well right away when they're released. So, like, if you pay for Xbox Game Pass, you can play Sea of Thieves when it comes out without buying the game. Okay. And, like, they're going to do it for Crackdown and the next Gears and Halo games. Like, all of their games like those will be available right away, which is pretty nuts. So, their subscription right now, they have access to over 100 games, and it's 60 bucks for six months. So, it's, like, it's $10 a month, which is, like, it's fairly steep. Uh, or I should say it's that's fairly expensive, but for having a hundred games, that's a pretty decent deal. Yeah, and if there's if they're going to include if there all are two games, games that you want to play, you're saving money. Exactly. Yes. So like when Sea of Thieves, like this year, Sea of Thieves and State of Decay two. Like if you want to play both those games, you can play them for hundred and twenty dollars. Plus, you get all the other games that they have. So like that's it's a pretty decent deal. Yeah. It just seems like an odd move to me for xbox because like what i don't understand what the benefit of this is that's going to lead to fewer game sales right and like giving people a cheaper way to play their games which they've already been doing like being able to buy on the windows store means you can play on xbox and having all their big exclusives also be on pc and not exclusive to the console just seems like they're making some weird financial decisions maybe it's just i don't know it's just a way to keep people in house because I mean, if you have a subscription yeah. service, you're less likely to pick up games on other platforms or pick up another platform if you're already signed up for the subscription service. Maybe yeah, that's that may be true. That's the thought process. Yeah. I don't know. Could be, but regardless, this is great for gamers. Yeah, like, this is a a really cool thing for people that that have Xbox and are considering the Xbox Game Service. Um, also, so this I don't know kind of annoyed to even talk about it because it's not news but everybody's been talking about this so for people that have heard of it i wanted to clarify there's been a rumor going around about microsoft wanting to purchase (coughs) excuse me purchase ea valve and the developers of PUBG. so first of all everyone is always trying to purchase everyone that's the way business works so everyone's always in talks of like trying to pick up someone else there's also no fact to this. It's like one report that came out where he was like, yeah, a friend of a friend of a friend said that a Microsoft and an, and an EA exec had lunch together and they talked about Mass Effect. So maybe they Microsoft wants to buy EA. Like that's basically the like validity of the rumors. It's just that it was one small piece of one random story that got blown into this big like Microsoft's going to buy everybody, which... They have the money to spend to purchase, and they certainly don't have the th- the first-party exclusives to make people want to buy an Xbox. So it would 100% make sense for them to try to acquire IP through an acquisition versus, like, building a brand-new studio. So it definitely makes sense. But, like, if you break this down, Microsoft buying EA, 
not only would that cost them billions of dollars, I don't see a world where that could happen. Because it's not like EA only publishes, like, Mass Effect and Dragon Age and right. Bioware they games. They publish such like, a they wide publish, net. Yes, they publish FIFA and Madden, which are their cash cows. Right. Like, yes, Star Wars Battlefront 2, that makes a lot of money and sells a lot of copies. But fucking nowhere near something like FIFA. Right. If they and, and like more people have PS4s than Xbox Ones. If Microsoft bought them and what had the exclusive rights to FIFA, how much money would that cost? Because then FIFA would sell less than half as many copies. Like it just doesn't make sense to me that right. EA would ever agree to something like that no. unless it was an inordinate amount of money and which I don't see happening either. So, yeah. It's also tough because something like this despite my and most people's feelings on EA, this is this would be bad for gamers for them to acquire such a huge publisher with so many games yeah. that would now become exclusives for Microsoft's Microsoft. That just only all that's the kind of move that only punishes people. It doesn't really benefit anyone because it's not like they're going to change the way they go about making games. It's just that you'll only be able to play their games on an Xbox. And I like business moves like that that don't help anyone, like it don't, that don't help consumers. I tend to find abhorrent because their business decisions made to make more money, which don't get me wrong, I get it, but that punishes consumers, and I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see them sweeping up a few smaller independent development studios, Absolutely. and then like yes. they release a small like a smaller indie game, and then they take those people from that development studio and combine them with other development studios to make a larger AAA title. Um, or, yeah. they, or they just pump more people into that development studio. Kind of like how Sony does it. Um, right. They bring people in-house and then they supply them with extra staff and funding um, to create bigger, thi- like bigger, more uh, larger in scope projects. I could see Microsoft adopting that format. Um, I don't see them acquiring something huge. Right. And, and like I could see them acquiring the developers of PUBG sure. just because it fits that it's a smaller studio where like they could fund them for more things. But what other than if he got a shit ton of money, why would they want to sell to Microsoft? Right. Like their game is already on Xbox. Like what, what benefit do they have other than making a lot of cash up front? Like it, it would be hard for me to see them selling to Microsoft in that circumstance either. Right. Cause they just don't need to. So I don't know. It's an annoying rumor that got blown up into something way larger than it should have been. So I figured we should at least talk about it here. Yeah. EA also had their earnings call and they gave a lot of updates on kind of all their big properties. So running through those real quick. Battlefront 2, it has sold 9 million copies, which is a lot, but they were expecting higher. So it's basically been a disappointment, which maybe is vindictive of me, but that makes me happy. Um... They expected about 10 million sales at this point, and they've sold around nine. So it's not like it's crazy underperforming. But Battlefront 4, up until the end of their fiscal year, which is in March, the original Battlefront had sold 14 million copies. And they're estimating Battlefront 2 to sell 10 to 11, which is pretty far underperforming because you would expect a sequel to sell more than the original, not several million less. So that is a pretty big deal. They came out and said that they have updates coming to the game. 
partially because of the lower sales, they are bringing microtransactions back, sure. which they had. They always said they were going to bring them back. So they're trying to figure out how that's going to work now. They're going to basically like they said they're going to update people more in March was kind of the general thing, but they're going to change up the way progression works to make it a little more user friendly. Um, they are adding some new modes. There's a jetpack mode where it's like eight on eight and everybody has a jetpack, which seems that seems pretty fun. That'll be like a limited time thing in February to experiment with that kind of gameplay mode. Right. But the biggest thing is like in this update. We'll get more details in March. So, like, I don't know. It's kind of like telling people what's happening without telling them what's going to happen, which makes me a little suspicious that they're going to try to sneak in some dark shit in there, like those microtransactions. Right. So, we'll be paying more attention in March. Um, They have no release date for Battlefront 3, because obviously. Battlefield, they did say that there is a Battlefield game that's going to come out this fiscal year. Not sure if it's going to be holiday or early in 2019, but uh, they're also saying that it probably will have some sort of Battle Royale mode, that like PUBG, Fortnite type mode. Their developers are currently trying to figure out how that works in Battlefield. Can't blame them for wanting to put something like this in there because it's been super successful. Also can't say that I'm interested in that whatsoever, but that's just me. Anthem has been delayed, quotation marks, to 2019, although the developers say that this isn't a delay, even though they originally said it was coming out in 2018. Now it's coming out in 2019, so they delayed the date, but it isn't a delay. It's so stupid. The way they try to manipulate shit, it's, like, aggressive. So they're saying it's only pushed back for scheduling reasons. It has nothing to do with the state of the game or them needing more time. It's just they didn't want to release Battlefield and Anthem at the same time, because thankfully they learned from releasing Battlefield 1 and Titanfall 2 at the same time. Or like Battle, or Titanfall 2, I think, came out the week before Battlefield 1, yeah. and so it sold way less than it would have. Because fucking duh, idiots over there. So they're trying to learn from that mistake, is what they say. Um, there was a big article from Kotaku about the delay for Anthem, and this came out before it was officially delayed, saying that they knew it was going to be delayed, which adds a little validity to the story. Anybody that's interested in game development and in Anthem and Bioware, I definitely recommend checking out Kotaku's story. It was a really interesting read. It's by Jason Schreier, who's like the biggest games journalist I would say there is out there right now. (coughs) Sorry, I'm coughing. Um, So kind of from a high level, Anthem development began in 2012, when Casey Hudson was still part of Bioware, he left, they stopped working on Anthem, and then picked it back up in 2014 before he joined the studio again. So now he's back running the studio and taking over development for Anthem. Basically, the report is saying that the developers are having a tough time with expectations for this game for a lot of different reasons. Because of the critical and commercial failure of Mass Effect Andromeda, the way that microtransactions have worked in Battlefront 2, EA is still forcing them to have microtransactions, so they're trying to figure out how they're going to implement them without pissing people off. Just the general feeling gamers have towards EA, they're worried will impact sales of like just people boycotting EA games, that kind of thing. So it's like the interviews, which are all off the record seem like the team is still optimistic about the quality of the game, but is very nervous about, like, the timeline for release 
and what's going to happen critically for the game because of all this stuff. This makes me worried because Mass Effect Andromeda was clearly rushed to make a fiscal year release date. Anthem is going to make the fiscal year release date through hell or high water. So I can totally envision another circumstance where this game is rushed out and is half-baked, which would really, really be sad because Anthem shows a lot of promise and kind of fulfilling on what Destiny tried to do and right. has still failed to do. Anthem could do that. So I don't know, man. The more I learn about Anthem, the more nervous I get, especially hearing all this behind-the-scenes buzz of the developers being nervous about their timeline too. So they they have said that Basically, everybody's working on this game now. They were in pre-development for the next Dragon Age, which I guess is still continuing, but they're pretty much all hands on deck with Anthem. They're considering shutting down support for Old Republic just to have everybody on Anthem. Right. So a lot of those moves are, are just a little scary uh, for me, like thinking about them actually fulfilling on that vision and EA coming in and sending down their foot on timelines and budget and microtransactions, the more that publishers get involved in development has been proven to be bad for game development. So EA does not have a great track record with this. So I'm nervous. Me too. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's talk about some Nintendo moves. So Kyle, do you want to take some of these? I need to drink some water. (laughs) Yeah, I can. Um, so the Nintendo Switch online service uh, is coming in September. It's going to be twenty bucks a year, um, and it will include like free games that are available for the month, sort of supposedly like PlayStation Plus and games with gold. Uh, but you can still only access them like that month. You you don't like get them forever throughout the service. Is that They're what kind they of said? Replacing. Because yes. I feel like they didn't specify which one it was going to be. They did okay. specify. Okay, yeah. so like you can only play the game for that month, and then you can no longer launch the game after the month is, op- is up? Right, and they'll have mm. a new slate of games the next month. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's less interesting. Um, right. Online play is free right now, but it will not be once this service starts up in September. Which seems tricky. I mean, obviously, they don't have the games part of the service right now. It's just online play. So um, it'll be interesting to see like the messaging of this, because like... You're taking players from the ability to play online for free and then charging them money for it. It's like, seems a little hard to market that. Yeah. And make it feel like it's good for consumers. But also it's 20 bucks a year. It's less than $2 sure. a month. Who can't find yeah, less than $2 a month in their budget? Like yeah. almost anybody can. If you find enough money to buy the Switch and all the peripherals in the games, you're going to be able to find the money to buy the $2 a month. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, like, there, there's at least that because PlayStation Plus is sixty bucks, um, Xbox Live is sixty bucks. Like, this is coming in at a third of that. Um, yes, which is but pretty... the games that you're getting on PlayStation and Xbox, you get forever. Sure, assuming you keep the service, yeah. which is a different model. But yeah, you're right. It isn't. It's not like it's the price gouging or anything. It's just purely from going. I could do this for free, and now I can't. Is maybe a tough sell. Yeah. Yeah, Nintendo also announced that uh, they're bringing a Mario Kart game to phones. It's called Mario Kart Tour, coming in early 2019. There's not really anything we know about this yet, but uh, I don't know, man. I've I always say how oh, I don't want to play games on phones. Who knows what, how this will turn out <laughs> and how the controls will work? Right. Really curious. Uh, but 
I'm glad that they're at least sticking to their thing of like wanting to make phone games. Hopefully they're a little more fully baked than like the Mario Kart game or the Mario uh, or Magikarp game was rather. And the Mario uh, platforming game was pretty bad as well. So not a great track record thus far, but maybe they're learning some lessons. There's also a Mario movie in the works made with Illumination Entertainment, the makers of Despicable Me and Minions. So basically you can guarantee that this movie will be fucking terrible. Uh, it is being. It cruised- will have a target audience and that audience is not people over a certain age. Or our mom. Correct. <laughs> our mom loves minions. The, the tar- yes, the target demo is six-year-olds and forty-year-old women. <laughs> because forty-year-old women love minions. Let me tell you what. Uh, so yeah, it, Miyamoto is going to be involved. He's on. He's on as a producer, but so is uh, I think his name is pronounced Chris Melon Melodondri. I think is how you say his name. He executive produced the Minions movies, Secret Life of Pets all those shitty Illumination animation films. So this is a pretty big bummer. With as many awesome CG animation studios as there are, going with Illumination bums me out because they're the worst. Right, it's like the budget option. Well, I mean, sort of, but their movies make a shit ton of money. It's more just like they're the least creative, I would say. Oh, yeah. The most the most in line for manipulating to sell toys, which maybe makes sense well, when Nintendo yeah, chose them. There you go. But artistically, the least artistic. Can't wait um, for those Mario movie amiibos. Yeah. So I guess this is going a little bit back to loot boxes and microtransactions and stuff, but I just found this to be interesting. So there's been a couple news stories here and there over the past several months of politicians getting into talking about loot boxes as gambling. So there's an actual bill in place now in the state of Washington that is being proposed as an investigation into loot boxes and microtransactions as being gambling. So there's no law around this yet. Like, making them illegal or any sort of like regulation on this. It's purely an investigation into the validity of loot boxes being gambling. So there's nothing bad. Like no one can say this is bad. It's purely trying to learn more. Of course, EA has come out and been like, this is a waste of time. They're not, they're not gambling because of course they are. Yeah. They're a corporation Um, who uses loot boxes. Of course they would say that. Right. Right. Uh, important to note that this is purely in the state of Washington. This is not a national or an international thing. It's purely in the state of Washington right now. And that it seems to focus on the impact on minors in particular, because obviously minors can't gamble. And so if this was found to be a form of gambling, it would have to be regulated so that minors couldn't participate. So this is, it's a pretty big deal because this kind of thing could quickly escalate to being on a national or international level. There are already laws, which we've talked about, like in China, where um, the uh, like on the App Store, they have to give percentage odds of loot boxes, like what you can get. Like there are there are laws around that in different countries. Right. So I would not be surprised whatsoever if the U.S. implemented something to the effect of this. The negative side is like, not sure I want the U.S. government getting into video game stuff. Like I'm not sure I right. want their impact here. Being able to self-regulate is far better than having the government do it for you. But we're kind of at a tipping point, a major tipping point with microtransactions and how it impacts consumers. So 
I'm not surprised at all that politicians are using it as a jumping off point of making news headlines, essentially. Right. So a couple other small pieces. God of War is now coming out on April 20th. Brock and it's smoked killing some fucking gods, bro. But, uh, this wasn't messaged as being a delay, but I could have swore that they had a release date in March previous to this. So I don't know. Maybe it's a delay. Maybe it isn't, but it is coming out April 20th, the same date as the Nintendo Labo stuff. Right. I'm still excited for this game. Yo, dude, pick up your Labo kit and make a dope bowl. Yeah. (laughs) Cardboard. Cardboard bowl. I I imagine quite a a few stoners will be burning themselves trying to create something with a Nintendo Labo and lighting it on fire. (laughs) (laughs) And I won't be sad for them at all. Uh, Rust is finally going to 1.0. Like, a game's, that early access game came out, what, like 30, 35 years ago? Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's coming around to 1.0. The, on... Around the inception of the personal computer. <laughs> right. It's coming out February 8th to be an actual release. They're raising the price from 20 to $35. And that game is already annoying because I would have liked to try it out, but that game is never on sale. Right. Like, it's never on Steam sales, nothing. And now they're raising the price. They also came out, and this is a quote, and they said, please try not to compare the game to other finished games. To which I'm like, what? You're saying this game is 1.0. That doesn't mean you can't support it and still fix bugs and work on the game, but if you're calling this a release and raising the price, there should be a reasonable expectation that the game is complete. That it isn't missing functionality or has major issues. That just, that seems kind of shady the way that that was messaged. So it seems like just a reason to raise the price, to be honest. Well, yeah, or maybe their sales are down, so they need some buzz. Yeah. And so they just say, oh, we're releasing 1.0 now. It seems like a kind of shitty move. Yeah. I don't know. It it just seems weird to me. I don't know. Maybe Uh, they will obviously struggling. they will keep supporting the game. They did say that there will be less frequent updates uh, because they'll be working on larger updates versus just small ones. Take that for what you will. Um, we have a release window for the Banner Saga 3, which really makes me happy because I love both those other games. It's coming out this summer. There was like a little trailer, a character trailer. It looks cool. Don't really know that much else about it. Banner Saga is amazing. Everybody should play it. It's awesome. It's like Oregon Trail meets Game of Thrones. It's fucking good. We uh, got some more news about the Crystal Dynamics Avengers project. So we talked about this last episode with uh, Sean S. Kig from Naughty Dog leaving to join Crystal Dynamics to work on Avengers. And now we've uh, we've now he has a title. So he is the creative director of this game. There are also some other folks that have joined the team. Stephen Barry, who was at Visceral for a really long time, is now their director of production, which, good for him. Visceral was just shut down yeah. a couple of weeks ago, so I'm glad they he found something else. Yeah. Um, there are some other folks coming over from other game series. They referenced the Battlefront series, Batman Arkham series, Call of Duty, as being like previous studios that these people worked at. Ron Rosenberg, who is the co-head of Crystal Dynamics, has said they want players to be able to enjoy this game, quote, for years to come, end quote. So it's some going to be some sort of games as a service, maybe like persistent online, multiplayer, whatever. No specificity to it yet, but 
I don't know, man. Crystal Dynamics has done a great job with Tomb Raider. I'm excited for this. It seemed like they have a lot of talent at their studio now. This could be really cool. It's They also came out and said it's not a tie-in to a movie or anything. It's like its own. It's like Insomniac Spider-Man game where it's just the property. They're doing whatever they want with it, which is, I think, really good for creativity. So I think this game could be really fucking cool. Well, because I know DCU Online did reasonably well. So I'm wondering if this is a Marvel answer to DCU Online, if it is going to be more of an MMO. That's possible. I would say that would make me less interested. Agreed. Uh, I'd be more <laughs> well, interested if it was kind of like um because the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games were a lot of fun. I'm wondering if it's going to be yes. more of the, like the top down Diablo loot based because I can see yeah, that as a game cool. as a service because Diablo is technically a game as a service. They keep doing expansions and updates, so maybe this is kind of uh they're developing kind of that like a framework within which they can add content to and do like maybe seasons like how Diablo does. I don't know. I'm right. interested to hear about what the heck this thing is. Yeah, that could be fun. It, it's tough to me imagining a game that is like the full Avengers, assuming they have access to like the expanded roster of dozens and dozens and dozens of characters, how that would work. Like, do you pick one of 50 in play? Because they'll or they'll like, have access to the multiple? X-Men now, right? I don't know. I mean, yes, but that doesn't necessarily mean they would have them in the game, right? Well, I'm just saying, like, because this is a this is good timing for them to do it because now that like, more of the Marvel characters are within the Disney umbrella, and so they yeah. have access to more of them. Yeah, that's true. So we'll see. I mean, I'm pretty excited about this. I would assume it is very far off if they're yeah. hiring leadership yeah. positions for this type of game. It can't have been in development for very long. So we'll see. It's, I mean, it'll probably come out like 2022 or something crazy. Uh, Epic is shutting down support for Paragon. It is closing on April 26th, which this was, you know, it was a hero shooter MOBA type thing. Did not do very big, well. Yeah, like it was at that time when everybody wanted to make a hero shooter slash MOBA and so plenty of them weren't going to succeed and Paragon didn't. Yeah, uh, par- apparently offering- early Paragon was reasonably successful like people liked it like there was a niche there that uh, people that who have have people who enjoyed it and then they tried to make it more broadly marketable um Mm. and that kind of turned everyone off of it because it wasn't as good as the other broadly marketable mobas on market but then Mm -hmm. it no longer had the niche crowd and so it just kind of killed it from there i guess yeah I mean, it's a shame, like, you don't want games to get shut down, but if it wasn't doing well, it sounds like... And, I mean, they, they just put out Fortnite, so that game is making so much fucking money, right. so you can't be super surprised. They are offering refunds to basically everybody that purchased on PC or PS4, which is a nice move. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I never checked it out, because I don't really care about that genre of games, but I'm sure it had its audience, which sucks for them. Yeah. Red Dead has a release date. It's coming out on October 26th. Hell yeah. They put out like a new story trailer type of thing. I'm sure that game's going to be good. Oh, yes. I have no doubt in my yeah. mind that that game will be good because yeah. Rockstar are rock stars. <laughs> and then uh, final story in the video game world. So the creator of Sonic has just joined Square Enix. 
and he's been kind of under the radar for a while. Uh, he left Sega in 2006, and he's been like working on his own little projects. I think some mobile games, stuff like that. And now he just joined Square in an undefined role. So it seems like weird that after all this time, he would now join Square. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be put on an existing project or given his own team or what the deal is, but. The dude certainly had some ideas. I'm in the camp yeah. of saying that maybe Sonic was never actually good. Maybe Sonic was uh, a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But who knows? Uh, I don't know. It, it, good for him. If something cool comes out of it, good for Square Enix, too. Into the world of movies, not a lot of stuff. So there's a new trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, I watched it. I'm pretty hyped for this movie. I, I found Ant-Man to be fun, if slightly forgettable. This, it seems cool. I, I really like how they're leaning more into what made Ant-Man really cool, which was the, like, playing with the scale kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, the villain is Ghost, which I'm not familiar with. I, I don't really know who that is. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it looks cool. It comes out in July, July 6th, I guess it is. Um, which, like, Marvel has a lot of movies coming up. Excuse me, coming out. They got... Black Panther in February, Ant-Man and the Wasp in July, and then Avengers, I think, comes out in May. So that's three big Marvel oh, movies yeah. in this year, so it's pretty nuts. Yeah, I never saw the first then, Ant-Man movie, so I don't... It's good. I mean, Paul Rudd, yeah. I fucking love Paul Rudd, He's and I love Evangeline Lilly, too. Well, so is she reasons. in the first one? Yes. Okay. Well, now I gotta watch it. <laughs> yeah, another, another reason I've been enjoying Lost, Evangeline <laughs> Uh, so yeah, and then, um, so there, this is another rumor mill thing. Oh my God. But yeah, I know they talked about this on the beast cast and I really enjoyed their conversation. <laughs> yeah. So apparently John Cena, WWE wrestler is in talks to play Duke Nukem in a Duke Nukem movie because that's the thing that could happen. And in the thing that makes more sense than maybe anything has ever made sense the production studio attached to the Duke Nukem movie is Michael Bay's production company. You know, I bet he could make a great Duke Nukem movie. Uh, what do you mean by great? Well, no, <laughs> I bet he the, could the make movie it authentic. The movie will be garbage, but it will be a great Duke Nukem movie. Yes, but it no one wants to watch that Duke Nukem movie. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, there was a good good conversation from the Beast cast on like who they would cast as Duke Nukem, yeah. which I thought was funny because it was like, I don't want to cast good actors because I don't want to subject them to having to play Duke Nukem <laughs> in the Duke Nukem movie. So what are actors that would do a good job, but that we don't like? Yeah, or what are actors <laughs> that we don't like that we want to punish with the part of Duke Nukem? Right. Um, so the first one, the first one that jumped into my head, and it's not like I have anything against him, and he's probably too old to really pull it off. But the first guy that jumped into my head was Dolph Lundgren. Oh, okay. To play Duke Nukem. Mine was. Do you have any thoughts? Because like, my my objective was okay. We make a good Duke Nukem movie. Right. Ron. Perlman. I have an idea for that too. Yes, I think Ron Ron Perlman would be a great fit. Yeah. Again, I think he's probably a little too old to do the Duke. But Nukem like, maybe thing. the Duke Nukem movie is old Duke. Yeah, like, and like that could uh, be fun too. Uh, last action hero yeah, type. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like that could be a good Duke Nukem movie. Ron Perlman in that role, I would watch that movie. I don't know that yeah. I would watch any other scenario of Duke Nukem. <laughs> 
in another effort to make it good and get a good actor attached, I thought Josh Brolin could probably do a good yeah, Duke Nukem. Yeah, Josh Brolin could do it too. I could see that. I'm really, I'm really excited to see him as Cable in Deadpool 2 and yeah. see how he kind of pulls that off because similar characterizations. Duke is obviously a little more hammy yeah. than Cable is, but similar like trying too hard to be a badass type of thing uh, that right. Cable does. So I could see that. But uh, John Cena seems like the right fit. <laughs> if this movie happens, he seems like the right fit. Well, how that. how how are you supposed to ever like? I mean, is he just like not pictured in the movie? Don't or? don't do don't don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> uh, oh man, <laughs> pretty dumb. And then uh, final news story. It's yeah, not something really a else story, that's but dumb. But I, in a I good way. This. I loved this. That's why I wanted to include it. So, uh, uh, what was that? What, what is it? So, John Romero and uh, Tom Hall, who are the two co-founders of ID, they were going back and forth on Twitter recently, talking about like the history of their games and their characters, and they have confirmed that canonically, <laughs> B.J. Blazkowicz is the grandfather of Commander Keen. Who is the father of Doom Guy? <laughs> so BJ Blazkowicz is Doom Guy's great granddad, basically, which right. is just fantastic, just so so good. Which also means Doom Guy is BJ Blazkowicz's son. What? Because if BJ Blazkowicz is the grandfather of Commander Keen, who's the father of Doom Guy? No, no, no. Oh no, sorry. Doom guy Commander is Keen. the great grandson. Yeah, yeah of that's what I said. BJ. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I read that wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So it this it's just it's one of those feel good news stories, man. You know, like when you're watching the news and like there's all this shit about Trump and the economy and mass shootings and terrorism, and then they have the fluff piece about like a squirrel fashion show. That's what this was yeah. like. <laughs> this is the squirrel fashion show. <laughs> Doom guy is related to BJ Blazkowicz. Ugh, it's and it's so awesome. Good. <laughs> so, okay. Oh, good. We might be able to wrap this thing up in under three hours. I was a little worried that this was going to be like a four hour podcast. It'll be close. So, uh, moving from a feel good story to hate of the week. Hate of the week. So, Hit of the week, I will frame this with a story, and then we can talk about the topic. Take me away. Yeah, let me let me paint a picture with words. So I started a new job recently, and we had our sales kickoff to begin the year, which is where all the sales folks get together, brainstorm about new ideas. They do some like role play, basically like get ready for this new year to crush some sales. And because I just joined and a big part of my job function is working with the sales team, I went to sales kickoff so I could kind of like shake hands, meet folks, put a name to the face, that kind of thing. And so I was spending a lot of time hanging out with a lot of the sales guys. And uh, I don't want to make any generalizations about sales guys. I feel like it's pretty easy when I say generalizations about sales guys, everybody kind of knows what I mean by that. So I'll give a specific yeah. example of what happened. This isn't me trying to like be a dick to this particular person but this was my experience so i'm at lunch with these guys conversation starts where like they're all talking about their two thousand three thousand dollar watches and how one of the guys recently went to africa and killed like ibex 
and like went big game hunting in Africa. Not like illegal, like he wasn't shooting elephants or anything, but like fucking crazy shit. And I was like, okay, so I don't get these people at all talking about their, <laughs> like I'm wearing my $100 watch that I think is a great watch. It looks awesome as they're talking about the Rolex for a watch. shit. Yeah. And like hunting in Africa. I don't have a frame of reference for any of that. But then one of the dudes who I would peg as like being late thirties, early forties starts talking about a recent vacation he took with his family to Harry Potter world and how it was a great time for the kids. Cause they're Harry Potter fans. But also he basically went on a big tirade, making fun of all of the like adults and young adults. there, dressed up like in costumes, like buying wands playing around, like in their Harry Potter robes And he called them fucking losers. And that's a direct quote. He said these fucking losers in their Harry Potter robes, whatever. I didn't say anything. And my wife was very proud of me for this. (laughs) Because I I could and wanted to say something. Oh, I would have. Because fuck you, dude. Fuck you. Seriously? Fucking losers wearing their Harry Potter robes? Where do you get off determining what is cool and what is lame? And what I wanted to say is not like I didn't want to like get aggressive because I just met this guy. But what I wanted to say was to put it in a frame of reference that he would understand. I'm a big football fan, as we've talked about. I'm going to assume that he's also a football fan. Would you go to a football game and wear an NFL jersey? Would you go and talk football with your buds Maybe go tailgate, throw a football around, have some beers, grow up a burger ahead of time. Yeah, fucking yes, you would. What the hell's wrong with that? That sounds like a great way to go to a football game. How is that any fucking different than people that go to Harry Potter World and want to dress up? How is it any different? The only difference is... football's real. Well, sure. But the difference is that society has deemed... That football is cool and Harry Potter's lame. Like, adults that like Harry Potter are lame. Like, adults that like football and get crazy into stats and trades and drafts, that's still fine. Like, that's not lame. But if you read Harry Potter, you're a loser. Like, why does this ephemeral society that's made up of everyone, and frankly, like, When you think of society, you think of the shitty people. Why do they get to determine what is cool and what is lame? Fuck off. I'll do whatever the hell I want. And you better fucking believe that when Kelly and I go to Harry Potter World for an anniversary or whatever, because we will fucking go before we have kids, because I don't want my kids to ruin my experience (laughs) at Harry Potter World. You better fucking believe we're going to buy wands and we're going to buy robes and we're going to have a pretend magic fight in the middle of it. You better fucking believe that's going to happen. And that's going to be one of the most fun experiences of my life. So fuck off, sales guy who thinks he's too cool to enjoy things and gets his enjoyment from making fun of and shitting on other people. It's just like, I, I turned 30 in two months. I have a lot of feelings about the fact that I turned 30 in two months. Most of them aren't great. (laughs) But one of the things that I make me feel okay about it is that getting older has not lessened my enjoyment of the things that I care about. I'm rereading through the Harry Potter books right now. I'm loving them as much as I loved them when I read them in high school. 
I still play video games. Like, I do all the shit that I used to do, and I still love it just as much. I have not let time make me look back on my experiences when I was younger with embarrassment. I'm not embarrassed of anything that I enjoy. I'm secure enough in myself for that. But that doesn't mean I'm going to sit by and let some fucker shit on the things that I like. Ugh, it just, mm, that makes me so angry. And it wasn't worth getting into a thing with the guy about it. Because that's it's just not worth it. Let him be his closed-minded, judgmental self. But it's just, like, it makes me feel sorry for him, to be honest with you. Like, I pity him. Because I bet you, I'm making generalizations here, but that type of person... I bet, like, he was on the football team in high school, and he made fun of the nerdy kids, and he did all the whole that shtick. And now, like, he's a fucking sales rep at a healthcare company. Who fucking cares? What are you doing that is cool about your life? And maybe he loves his life. I'm sure he's got a great family and he took him to Harry Potter World. That's awesome for his kids. But like, why do you have to, why do people have to get their enjoyment from ruining things for other people and shit talking about other people like that? It's sad. Well, I feel sorry for his kids because like, if that's how he views all those people, like how excited his kids were to get to go to Harry Potter World, like that's awesome for them. And then for like, whether he's outwardly expressing it or not, that derision and like standing on his high horse, put elevating himself above all of the people there. Like what kind of a father figure is that? Like he's going to teach his kids to do that same shitty shit. Yeah. And that sucks because that's just propagating more of that negative attitude and that like close mindedness and reclusiveness of this like bro guys be guys you know, like you're crying like a girl, like yep. all that stupid. It's that, it's that like shit. fragile masculinity jock right. mentality that like I have to be a horde. I've got to be a tough dude. I got to right. do dude stuff. Get this nerdy shit out of here. Right. Like, just be your own fucking person. Enjoy yeah. things. Because I could do the same thing. Like, you know, we like they're talking about their watches, the hunting, whatever. Hunting is maybe different because they're killing things. That's maybe I have a legit argument for having a problem with that. But, like, I'm not going to make fun of him for liking watches. Like, I might think that that's a waste of money. But if that's the way, like, if he gets, if that's his hobby, good for you, dude. I'm not going to make fun of you for that. So why would you make fun of me for my thing? You don't know anything about it. Right. It really, it like really, really got on my nerves. Because by and large, my other experiences with like the sales guys, like there are a lot of guys that I I talk to like almost every day that are super cool. I'm not making a generalization about sales guys in general, but this just one specific example with this one specific dude who was other than that, perfectly fine. But that one thing that he said really, really rubbed me the wrong way. And at least a small part of me wishes that I would have said something, not in an aggressive way, but just in a like, right. really? That sounds fun to me. Like, that sounds fun. Like, really getting into yeah, the spirit that, that's, of it. Yeah, that's what I would have been like. Like, well, you don't like to, like, dress up? It's Like, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, like, just because you don't like to do it doesn't mean that, like, it's not cool. Like, you're right. not the author on cool, man. Yeah. And, like, he you can do it. Not. Right. You can do it in, like, a, I don't know, in an amicable way. Yeah. I, mean, they're, they're, I think, I think, I believe there's an amicable way to say and do anything sure 
um, at least 99.9% of things other than like killing someone. <laughs> there isn't really like a nice way to like right. murder someone when they yeah. don't want to die. Yeah. You know, there's not like a nice way to go about it uh, to where they would feel okay. Um, but, you know, well, maybe most I mean, things death through snoo snoo. That that yeah, would be a, that sure. would be a feel good way of dying. <laughs> so, up yeah. until the very end, when you're just not into <laughs> right. it anymore, yeah, and then it's true. like that's not comfortable. <laughs> Even that's like you know the mind is willing, but the body is uh, bruised <laughs> and whatever. Uh, yeah, well, I don't remember what show. the line is. Yeah. So yeah, really, really got on my nerves, and that was one of the things where like it was a, it was just a small little moment. But it's indicative of a much larger societal problem, right? Primarily with men, although that's no. I would say a lot of women. I think a lot of women propagate women, that. Yeah, feel the same way that like like a lot of women would look at you and me as being nerds, like in a like right. and, and being lame. Yeah, just just as many women as men would think that, and that's that's shitty. Yeah. That's shitty. I think so too. But and, you know, then there are a lot of women who would look at the jock guys and be like, "They're meathead idiots, absolutely. With, like no redeemable qualities." When those a lot of those guys are probably nice, dudes. absolutely, that's true. So and, it, and, it's both ways. And I'm totally not trying to be hypocritical too, because I know, like, I make fun of a lot of shit. But I'd like to think that I don't actively, I'm not actively judging some. Like, I think anime is kind of dumb, but like, I'm not going <laughs> to judge anyone for liking it. Like, if sure. that if it brings you joy and it's not hurting anyone. Enjoy it, dude. Enjoy yeah, like, it. That's the that's way I feel about football. Everything. I only get yeah. frustrated with like people who are into football when they use it as an excuse to be shitty to each other. That's Absolutely. the only time I have a problem with it. Yeah. So, like, do what totally. you do, do what you love, and be good to each other. <laughs> Isn't that from Wayne's World? <laughs> Probably. Be, be good to each other. Be good to each other. Maybe. Maybe it is. It's from something. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's been really, it's been on my mind and honestly yeah. makes me want to go to Harry Potter world even more so I can spite that guy. Right. <laughs> send him a show, picture. Show up at the next, uh, thing <laughs> yeah, with like pictures. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so fun. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Um, I guess before wrapping up the episode do, cause we haven't mentioned this in a while. I do want to remind folks that if you have any like thoughts on what we talked about or any ideas or questions, Shoot us an email, info at shayhateseverything.com. You can also just, like, check out the Shay Hates Everything Facebook page or uh, send me a message there. Leave a comment. You can shoot me a DM on Twitter. I'm at, uh, at Shay underscore Castle uh, for the podcast. We haven't had questions come in for a bit, and maybe that's because we haven't mentioned it. So I'm going to mention it. It's not like we <laughs> starve for things to talk about, but the more engagement... Right. Like, that's just more enjoyable. I can look at my Podbean thing and see, like, how many downloads we got, how many people listened to it, where they were, all that kind of thing. But without actually, like, hearing from people, it's hard to know, like, what are you liking? What are you not liking? What do you want us to talk about more? What do you want us to talk about less? Like, maybe less football and mechanics, car mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe so, more of that. In, yeah, like, maybe, no more, video games. maybe more of that. At that yeah. point, maybe find another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but as always, I guess we can wrap up before we hit the three-hour mark with uh, stuff we don't hate. So today I don't hate Lost, and I feel obligated to specify that it's today. Today <laughs> I don't hate Lost. Next episode, I might start it off with today I hate Lost. But today, <laughs> only today, I do not hate Lost. And today I don't hate 
when someone I respect professionally has good things to say about me. You're welcome. Uh, You're referencing me, right? Uh, no, <laughs> not even close. Uh, <laughs> so I went to my friend's, uh, my co-director's birthday party. We went to uh, a brewery. And one of the teachers, because, I mean, she's a teacher at the school. I aid and direct that and stuff, too. Um, she invited my fiance and I out for her birthday. So, you know, we did the thing. We met new couples that are her friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. We did the whole social thing. And then first period every day, I'm with four of my kids in an English class. Um, out in an English class. I'm, I'm with them to help keep them on track and keep them organized. And there's, uh, there's a teacher, and he's re- like he's a phenomenal English teacher. He also teaches Spanish and like a couple other English classes. Um, he's just uh, he's extremely intelligent and eloquent, um, and he cares about the kids, and he kind of rolls with the punches really well. Um, he's a phenomenal teacher. And he showed up there and he's like, yeah, and you know, like, I'm really glad I got a chance to talk to you like one on one outside the school environment. Like, have you ever thought about being a teacher? And I was like, well, yeah, actually, that's kind of what I'm I'm looking into is like, teaching yeah. theater and, and figuring out how I could how I could do that. And he's like, yes, yeah, so I feel like not everyone has it. And I feel like you have it because I watch the way you are with your kids. And like he went on and on and on. And I was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> everything you're saying is so nice. It makes yeah. you feel so good. That's awesome. So. Today, I don't hate that feeling, like that sure. feeling of acknowledgement and like it was a really nice surprise to wrap up the night on Friday. And it made me feel really good about what I do. Getting respect from someone that you respect for like for the same thing, because like you respect him as a yeah. teacher and now you've learned that he respects you as a teacher. That's a, that that. Yes, that's a really good feeling. That's great. Great feeling. I don't hate that awesome. at all. <laughs> that's good that's a good thing not to hate <laughs> well thanks everybody for listening Kyle as always thank you for joining me and yeah. uh, everybody just remember to check out jhitseverything.com so you can read some opinions on video games movies television comics books and other shit that matters we will see you guys in the next episode peace out peace out